Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that's full of brutal slow motion killing. I'm your host, yellow-bellied rat jackass Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I am made of 70% retake footage today. And who do we have on the line? This is Thad Kamarowski, and maybe Screep this shit. <laughs> uh, and today's episode is Some Enchanted Evening. Uh, I'd like some flowers. What kind of flowers? Uh, you know, pretty ones, not dead. Well, we have some beautiful long stem roses. They're $55 a dozen. One, please. R.I.P. Howard. Today's episode <laughs> aired on May 13th, 1990, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby, Nora Dunn and Sinead O'Connor choose to boycott Saturday Night Live because it's hosted by Andrew Dice Clay. Mel, <laughs> Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn have fun in Bird on a Wire and in theaters now and in an important moment for me as a wrestling fan, mm. <laughs> RoboCop Uh-oh. shows up to sta- save Sting, the wrestler Sting, at WCW's Capital Combat. Was that the one where he shot his dick off? Huh. No, no, it is. He, he only did that once. Uh, and uh, it's a good trick, oh, I gotta yeah. say. So, uh, the story behind that is WCW was owned by Warner, well, it was owned by Turner, which releasing New Line Cinema, I believe, was releasing a Robocop movie. And they just said, look, we own this wrestling show. It's stupid. We own Robocop. How about Robocop come in and save a character in your show? And it makes people go see Robocop 3 in theaters. And so, Sting or Robocop 2? Sting is kept in a cage, and out comes huh. Robocop, and he rips the cage door off and frees him. <laughs> and he's like, citizens, you must see Robocop 2 in theaters now. <laughs> it's one of the stupidest moments in wrestling Was history. he promoting Robocop 2? I believe it was 2. If it was 1990, then I think 2's the one in theaters. Okay. Yeah. And so there was a boycott because Andrew Dice Clay hosted SNL. Uh, a much worse person would host uh, decades later. Did anyone boycott then? Mm, anyone no, walk I off? I don't recall that. No, no that I show's mean, awful, isn't it? It. And in fact, they're all like waving at the the good nights, like Larry David and Sia right there with uh, with our future president. Because they're all rich. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I understand. Though I know in the book Live from New York, they portray mm. Nora Dunn is doing it for political reasons to get like mm. uh, newspaper headlines, and uh, that the the other folks who worked on the show looked down on it. But uh, I don't know. I. He is gross. He's gross. And he, he mangles all those nursery rhymes? Yes. Come on, man. <laughs> and uh, Bird on Wire I saw on VHS as a kid. Didn't see it in theaters. I remember it as 
I think the first time I saw a butt in a movie hmm. because whose butt was it? Mel Gibson's, or at least a stunt butt. But I think it was his <laughs> real butt. He his character in Bird on a Wire gets shot in the butt, and uh, they have to take out the bullet. But it's like a grazing of it, and they show a butt in it. You know, I think I remember you're that. You're going to see Mel Gibson's butt in the next episode. You can't keep pushing it uh, off forever. Uh, yes, yeah. we we finally will. People, uh, this is not our plan to push that episode down the line. I mean, uh, there are much worse people than Mel Gibson. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's no, no saint, though. But as much as he loves the Catholic Church. He's no angel. <laughs> but anyway, hey, Thad, welcome. This is your first yes. Simpsons, I think, isn't yes. it? Yes, it is. Thad was previously on our What a Cartoon episodes about uh, Daffy Duck and uh, two about Ren and Stimpy that we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, I mean, let's uh, folks should know a, li- a little bit about you, Thad. Well, I'm an animation historian, I guess, of sorts. Uh, I wrote a book, oh my God, seven years ago uh, called uh, Sick Little Monkeys, The Unauthorized Ren and Stimpy Story. It's the whole backstory behind the acrimony of that TV show and its importance in uh, animation history. You were, and, you were uh, way ahead of the curve on uh, publicly hating John Kay or like, like airing that dirty laundry. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I, I think I got definitely got the ball rolling on, you know, the true uh, story behind the true story behind Ren and Stimpy, behind the laughter there. <laughs> um, but it, it's weird. People seem to think I don't like The Simpsons because of my book, but I sort of what I wrote in there was what The Simpsons achieved was not what Ren and Stimpy was trying to achieve. And you know, I wasn't putting it down or anything. They just had different artistic aims. But no, I, I love The Simpsons. It, you know, it's a staple of my childhood. I mean, God, I, I was watching it when you weren't supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm 10 years, I, I was born in 89. So I'm a little behind you guys. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I went to Catholic school most of my life, well, all my uh, grade school life. And uh, for Lent one year, we had to draw something like what we're giving up for Lent. And I drew, I'm giving up The Simpsons, uh, <laughs> uh, watching The Simpsons for Lent and I had a picture of a hand turning off a TV and I like a comic balloon coming out of it saying don't and like I got in so much trouble for that oh wow they should have like uh, applauded you for turning off that filth in a way it's like well you know it's not a very good show for young children to be watching but uh, we don't want to hang this in the hall Mm -hmm. so you know, it's how I communicate with my dad and everything. We just like, we'll just quote it to each other. You know, oh. of course, all preseason t- 11 stuff. But uh, <laughs> one well, is you like grew as an animation historian. That probably led you to look at The Simpsons differently than you did as a, as a youngster. Um, I did try to think of what made try to look at it. Well, why is this funnier than, you know, it is than it's been for the past 10 years? Oh, my God. I can't. It's just hard to think of a t- that we're in a time where there's more Simpsons I haven't seen than I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just unreal. <laughs> They'll outlive us all. Yeah. And yeah. well, no, now <laughs> that now that Disney owns it, I, I always thought that if, like, say, uh, Castellaneta or uh, Cartwright died, you know, they'd, they'd end the show on, you know, just out of respect, but not now. Not Disney now. would never no, stop. No, no, they're yeah. casting the new uh, Homer right now. <laughs> we just don't know about it. I bet they have a, li- a long sh- the list of like, oh, this is who it would be. Like this, is, the <laughs> day we get the news about one cast member, we know who to call. Someone is slotted immediately. But I did want to ask Christine that. Chris probably. He could do it all. <laughs> I did want to ask that about the animation on the show. Uh, what is your favorite era of animation on The Simpsons? And like, who are your guys mm. on the show or ladies? Well, it, it's funny that you uh, said Bob a while ago. 
I, I forget which episode you but you called uh, David Silverman the Ben Franklin of the Simpsons. Mm. I that's actually a very good you know title for him because you know as we all as you may know uh, Ben Franklin was famous for all his inventing and innovations and how to make America work. So and he liked the party too, mm-hmm. like David yes. Silverman. Yeah. <laughs> And Silverman is like that with the Simpsons. He's the one who had to figure out what is Matt Groening going to accept and how am I going to actually make it work and visually engaging. You know, we, we're, we're uh, into, you guys are into that era where Silverman isn't at the sh- on the show anymore. And it's my it's my uh, thinking that the second Silverman left, they uh, figured out how to sap all the life out of the animation and art. You know, even David himself, bless him, couldn't bring it back. I, I think it goes a bit on just cruise control after David. Yeah. Like, well, we know how to make this, and it just moves forward. I, I do think I revisited a, like, season 12 or 13 episode that Lauren McMullen directed, mm. and she really does bring it back to life. It's like, oh, look at these kind of shots. Like, there's she's trying some stuff. So I, I think for a bit after Silverman left, if a strong director could go on and make bold choices there were still good moments of animation on the show but yeah this i i and i love jim reardon i think he's one of the best directors they had oh, too yeah, but absolutely. but when he became supervising director there there definitely was a little something lost uh from compared to the silverman time yeah. i mean it's hard i mean like look at what you're looking at like season 12 or 13 of anything i mean how are you gonna get any life out of it it does become a machine at some point (laughs) exactly it's and it's not you know it's not disparaging anybody from when you say that because it is i mean i was talking with bob jakes my the co-host of my show uh cartoon logic and really great podcast Yes, who was, if you don't know, the animation director of Ren- The Best Friend in Stimpy's. He was, t- I forget which of the directors he was talking to. It would have been 93 or so, because that was when he was doing the new Baby Huey show. And I think it might have been Reardon. I'm not sure, but he was like saying, oh, yeah, I'm expecting The Simpsons to rap now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess they thought it'd be over after everyone left in season four. Well, you know? who the hell think that any animated show at that point would go past a fourth season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the Flintstones didn't even like they were. They Simpsons were like... with season six. Yeah, that's yeah. But so, uh, yeah, this uh, we wanted you on this episode, especially because you've you've interviewed the uh, co-director of this episode. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, not not too in depth as some of my other other interviews. But uh, yeah, I, I talked to him a little bit about this one. Yeah. And uh, the, that is Kent Butterworth. Mm-hmm. And this is a, uh, a messy episode. I think, um, Bob, we've been talking about it all season. <laughs> this is like yeah. the Moby Dick has <laughs> finally appeared. <laughs> this was intended to air first in the fall of 89. And uh, it was the first one animated. And it was a disaster. Yeah. In terms of production. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we've been dissecting this crime scene as <laughs> on this podcast for a long time of like every everybody blames everybody else on on this episode kind of we've also rarely heard uh, a different side of it than the 
the side of the victors, I guess you'd yeah, call it. Yeah, history is written by the winners. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whoever gets to do the audio commentary. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, I think when we first did this podcast about this episode, we were just going by the DVD, but we've learned a lot more since then, I think. And, yeah, uh, I think I've become a bigger uh, Klasky Chupo defender over the course of doing this show because I think people just use Klasky Chupo as a pejorative. Yeah. Like, oh, that's yeah. so Klasky Chupo. Just like, man, season three is such a... Go- they figured it out completely mm-hmm. if they would have kept on the show from there it would have looked really really good well there was there was a bit of what we'll call, we'll call an air quotes john k type of situation there mm-hmm. with uh what, what was it they wanted a they wanted the supervising producer there and he refused uh gabor Shupo refused sounds i like, think that was the story sounds like gabor was supposed to be the supervising director and wouldn't didn't do it there well they well that's what they did with ren and stimpy to try and get it under control they put a supervising producer at spumco uh in the second season i think they wanted to do something similar uh with chupo on the simpsons and he didn't want that period not a lot of good came out of that unauthorized oral history of the simpsons book from like uh 2009 but one of the good things was them actually talking about this dispute and uh i didn't have time to reread that section but i remember a lot of it being that gracie films wanted klasky chupo to pay for any retakes or new animation yeah that, and, i think that might have been it too and a lot of it was them asking for new animation after uh it came back right oh that's yeah. so typical in prime time animation it's it, i don't i don't get how god bless anyone who can survive in that environment as a director yeah it, it feels well i mean the the change i guess that's the in general what the problem i think was with this is that prime time producers like aka writers or executive producers on live action they're used to a certain level of control and when they meet what is the 1989 even the machinery of producing animation that everybody on the animation side is used to and how they do it the producers on the writer side who are used to so much control they don't understand it they're told to give up this control and trust somebody else and they can't or it, it when they do it causes a lot of friction and they then i mean there's a lot there there's feels like there's a lack of respect of the animators from a lot of the writers too absolutely yeah even in the film roman days when they took over in season four there was still some friction you can hear about it on the commentaries but around season five like david silverman had to put his foot down and say this is when this is the last time you can request new changes like after the animatic no we need to move on and they listened to him like he had to put his foot down i don't think they listened to other people who aren't david silverman in the same way i i I think that's what causes problems too I think he well, I, want, I wanted to say this on the show though uh it's funny you brought up around season five um that whole sequence with homer uh it's in treehouse of horror four where he's in hell is that the one where he goes yeah. to hell yeah okay that whole sequence where he's strapped and he's getting the donuts force fed that's in direct response to an edict of matt Groening's where homer cannot eat anything bigger than his head <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's a direct great. response to it i know so, some people might dispute that but um or say i'm full of shit but i know that is true <laughs> that edict is absolutely true and that, re- that that was the response i still say treehouse four is the best animated episode of the whole series I, it might be it might it's be. gorgeous yeah. yeah i mean as we do this podcast we see little things that are put into annoy matt graining yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh that hitler joke definitely mm. pissed off matt he was on futurama he would have turned this down but yeah i guess why before we get to the production exactly on this why don't we talk about kent butterworth 
forth a little bit in our director corner. So Kent is like an animation lifer. He's still active to this day. Mm. Like he's... he still is. He's doing sheet timing. You know, he's. This is how animation works. You're supposed to be retired at. Oh God, I... Kent's got to be getting up there. He must be close to seventy, or I... he's at least sixty-eight now. I think I so. Think. Yeah, and uh, on IMDb, his earliest credits are late seventies. You know, junk like Fat Albert, and that's where he started. He was uh, classically trained uh, all over the business. He crossed paths with everyone, he... and he's kind of got a reputation. Uh, I don't, like, I don't want to say he sometimes gets a reputation for taking easy way outs, which kind of <laughs> sucks well, because he's a very talented guy and a great historian. Too. What, what's funny is this happens in his career after Simpsons, but the he is the credited director on every all 65 episodes of The Adventures of Sonic. And, yep. uh, <laughs> and uh, that is a messy show, but uh, I, I our previous guest, Ian Jones-Cordy, loves it. Yeah, and, I love it, too. I, 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 it's... <laughs> It's and, junk, but, you know, we don't see stuff where, you know, you just get off-the-wall, semi-well-drawn, cartoony cartoons anymore. I've come down to say it's better than the Saturday morning one. Because it, it knew it was it trash, is. and it had fun with the idea. I, I'll give it another shot. I mean, I... it's still not worth watching. Oh, but... no, it's not. It's, it's <laughs> but, terrible. But Ian had a great quote, like... He said Kent had the saying on that show of, if you recognize the character, it's on model. That's ex- that's what Kent told me. And well. you could see that in practice in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And and Ian repeats that on OKKO. He was like, yeah, they took that to heart on that show. That's one of their favorite things to do is just draw them off model in funny ways. Like so. But I think that is Kent's ethos a lot. It is. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, well, that's Kent's style. Uh, right before the, he got the Simpsons job, he was a director on the Ralph Bakshi Mighty Mouse show. A lot of people so, came from that to yeah. the Simpsons. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was charting his career. I see like he did. He did Fat Albert and he worked on the new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll and the really shitty Tom and Jerry from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then in the 80s, he worked on like all the big boys like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Smurfs, Denver, The Last Dinosaur. Pandemonium! <laughs> but but then when Ralph Bakshi, you know, and the John K stuff, like he worked on Beanie and Cecil and Mighty Mouse, I believe. He was, uh, I, th- I think he just did some sheet timing on Beanie and Cecil because mm. that was running, Be- the Beanie and Cecil show was running concurrently Currently with uh, the second season of Mighty Mouse, which John Kay was not on. Uh, okay. Um, Butterworth like- was the uh, director of the sh- he was the series director on the second season it seems which like is actually more coherent and better than the first season of the show huh because um, it was fi- they f- had f- as ken had told me they had figured out a lot of the issues and they made it a- it's more of a it's more cohesive than the first season mm. um if you compare them Oh, I was going to say, it seems like with that Mighty Mouse show, everyone who worked on it either went to Tiny Toons, The Simpsons, or Ren and Stimpy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was like the uh, pipeline. Yeah, Kent, uh, Kent has some time. Based on the timeline, I, I think he must have directed at least some Tiny Toons before going to Simpsons. No, Simpsons was before Tiny Toons. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, then he didn't, he... Kent wasn't a day one on um, Tiny Toons. Tiny Toons production started in 89. Okay. All right. Because then he he gets to Tiny Toons in time for the movie. Like he's one of the directors on the vacation film. Yeah. The two that he directed that are the most famous on Tiny Toons, he did the uh, Who Bopped Bugs Bunny with Sidney the Elephant, uh, that Gene Deitch uh, classic I love character that one, ripoff. Yeah. Was yeah, that the a... one that Jonathan Winters did the voice for. And he also did the Duck Dodgers Jr. one. 
that's um, good. That Maurice Noble worked on and got fired off of because <laughs> oh, there's a lot of pol- there's a lot of dirty history behind <laughs> that because the supervising director um, over in uh, Taiwan got told to uh, do not use anything Maurice sends over. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, because you know you d- you do one cartoon that by Maurice Noble who was one of the architects of the '50s look of animation against all this other shit you're doing you know it's gonna be one episode that looks beautiful against all this other hack work <laughs> uh well so okay then so yes kent then before tiny tunes he gets hired on simpsons as uh you know they they hired a couple so silverman and archer who animated on the shorts they were going to direct episodes that neither had directed for tv before so they hire um, several folks who had uh directed on saturday morning stuff before and mm-hmm. uh milton gray along with Kent Butterworth. We talked about Milt uh, earlier, mm-hmm. but... No, Milt's an interesting dude. I mean, he lasted forever. He came back. He was a timer forever, and he's mm-hmm. got... He's attached... He obviously knows the style if he can make the jokes work as a timer. Oh, well, so so Kent comes on. They've written this script, and the script is on the DVD. I read the original, like, April 25th, 1989 table draft script for this episode. That is the only episode on that disc. That's yes. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's there's a lot of good extras on it, including the original animation, but... So reading Yeah, that, they were very selective with what they showed of that. I uh, wanted to see all of it. I want to see all of it too because as we'll get into it uh, there's probably there's a couple of reasons I think they didn't show all of it. One is because you know they all hate it. Two, they didn't really want to reveal how much of the of that uh, original footage is in the actual episode. Yeah, and yeah. Three, I th- who was the guy who was originally voicing Mo? Uh, Chris, Chris Collins. Tom. Yeah, that they his track was probably there. Oh, legally, yeah. I bet they couldn't like put that on you. there. Yeah. Uh, well, so there's the original table draft, and I will diagnose that table draft as a live action sitcom pilot that was written. Like it, <laughs> it's Graining and Simon, and it's written to be live action. Like this is taking the shorts characters and Lisa and Bart and Maggie they have kind of short styles adventures but Marge and Homer just have like a couple sitcom uh, story yeah and it's so claustrophobic they're writing it as if they can only build three sets like we've got a home set we've got a restaurant set in this hotel room and that's it and uh, shockingly not much is cut from that script like the script Mm. and I think that also shows you like how much I don't want to blame Kent Butterworth and his team because like he was given the script and that they say on the commentary like oh they added jokes to it it's like they stayed real close to the script from what i've seen like honestly too much they should have changed more things like and in our interview with jay kogan even he's like oh that script sucks like we (laughs) we were lucky we could rewrite it it's a bad pilot too because it's like I mean, I love the Christmas episode as a pilot, even though it was not written to be that, because it's like, here's a bunch of characters, here's the world, and this one, it's like, uh, here's Mo, mm-hmm. and that's all you get. Uh, yeah, I they, and, and there was this big intro where Marge explains the whole family and how much she loves the morning, and they they that was the biggest like hack away from the original. Yeah. This yeah. is like the seventh episode in season one that starts with like, it's morning time, everyone's <laughs> getting ready to do things. Uh, yeah, and and the way i see it is like 
Kent and his team got that script with like weak voice acting, a weak storyline, and just like a bad introduction to all these characters. And he does what he does with an anime. It's like he did the same stuff on this he did on a million Smurfs episodes. Mm-hmm. He's just well, get this. well, you know, you hire the guy who just worked on that Mighty Mouse show. What what the hell are you expecting he's going to do with it? Yeah, well, especially on a script-driven show, they're just like, well, all right, let's go to town. This is our script. Let's let's make it work. And I'm sure he was used to dealing with writers who didn't care. Oh, yeah. On those yeah. old shows. I, I doubt Bill Hanna really gave much of a shit about uh, an added joke, or, though I could be wrong there. No, they actually were pretty fierce about that stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just thinking about, like, you know, the 62-year-old alcoholics writing, like, Fat Alberts. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I don't care what you draw in the background. I got alimony to pay. Oh, no, 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 no. They were fierce about that stuff. Really? especially the networks like this this was not this drawing you didn't imply that this drawing would be in the final episode in the script it's actually funny i actually have a good story about kent in the filmation days google mighty mouse handcuffs on a snake and Mm. you'll get the scene i'm talking about it's the shitty mighty mouse eddie fitzgerald that uh boy wonder uh he uh he boarded this insane take on uh the mighty mouse villain oil can harry and they wanted to li- they wanted to fire eddie for it and it's like you cannot put it and it's like it's just a typical tex avery type of take mm-hmm. no- nothing dirty or anything and kent said you know let, let me handle this i'll animate it it'll take me most of the week because this is filmation and we can't we're not built to do this i'll, I'll handle <laughs> it but this is just a one-off thing but it's it's a funny take it's and uh, but they wanted to lynch eddie for it and it's it's just stupid wow just for having any fun at all having (laughs) any fun yeah exactly uh so as they tell it on the commentary this was their memories of it in 2000 or 2001 whenever it was recorded james l brooks who is the uh, villain of this story now to me uh but so they say that like they write all the scripts they ship them off and then they say six months later the animation comes back which like even matt Groening admits later on in the commentary well we were getting animatics we just weren't looking that closely at it we didn't know how to judge this stuff and so the animation comes back they say six months later and they can't believe it they are shocked at everything they see like it is it's uh it's matt it's brooks probably kent is in there i would think gabor chupo definitely is in the Uh, the room and they watch the footage back and the story is it's just you know tension in the room and james l brooks says this is shit gabor chupo replies what do you mean shit (laughs) brooks replies a foul substance that spreads disease and then uh, gabor replies well maybe this shit isn't funny (laughs) maybe script is shit yeah maybe script is shit and of course uh brooks then says that very pettily at the Emmys that year when Gabor is uh, taking photos with them, he's like, oh, maybe the writing is shit, huh? Huh? Like, uh, Mm. but yeah they did not like what they got back at all they say for a whole week as they're waiting for the color to come back on bart the genius they all think their show's dead and they like they send an excuse to fox to not even show them Uh, don't come don't come to the lot please (laughs) and and then they said when they got bart the genius back that it was it was workable they didn't even they're not even that effusive with praise with david on the uh, Mm -hmm. commentary but they at least they did like the bart the genius footage much more than they like this i think that was more to do with david had been there 
Yeah, since day he's, one. he's their friend. And I think. I mean, it's not knocking David. He's been their friend for a while. So with Archer's, as I commented, uh, Homer's Odyssey. That's oh, well, what the fuck? That that is that. That's the kind of stuff that usually sinks a series. The footage in that... Oh, those crowds. There's way worse stuff in that than what we see yeah. of the Kent footage in here. That's because it's not ambitious. It's just like, here's characters in a room, which was fine. Mm. Like, they're asking a guy to draw crowds when there's not enough characters to fill the crowds with. Chupo, I, I, I'm going to quote a little bit from Kent about this. So Kent says, Chupo had his studio in the building that... Bob Clampett had owned. He'd met Jupo at one of Bob's parties and they got to be friends that way. Gabor had never done series work, so he wanted me to come over and help him set up. Bakshi had just shut down and I hired a lot of the crew to come over and start up. In the beginning, it was great. Gabor's studio expanded to take over the whole second floor of the Clampett building. It mm. felt special to be making cartoons in Bob's building. I was making a very cartoony Simpsons show, but as the production evolved, Matt Groening and Sam Simon wanted less and less cartooniness. I pretty much got blamed for all the problems, and I got the sack. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's sad. Well, see, that's the thing. He didn't. They w didn't really explain to Kent. We want a three-camera sitcom. Well, that's really different than a lot of animation production. Well, I mean, uh, the cartooniness thing in the scripts, like they they call out the cartoony takes. Like I was shocked. Like for example, in this script, they call out that Homer's beard line pops back in with a broink. Like that's yeah. in the <laughs> script. Like so, that wasn't a cartoony liberty. Marge getting her lips stuck to the door when it slams oh, in her yeah. face—that is a cartoony liberty that they took. Sure. It's funny with how how messy this episode is. It contains like the best fifteen seconds of animation in the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, Out of nowhere. But honestly, too much. But yeah. It I, is too much, but it's just like, this is a different show. But but poor Butterworth had to be like the martyr on this one. And, uh, you know, thanks to union rules, he keeps his name on this and also No Disgrace Like Home, which Craig he mentioned that over. he was directing on Telltale Head. But really? I don't I don't know the whole story behind that. Hmm. I could I see little touches of his of him in there. But uh, yeah, it's just it's it's really too bad for Kent. Again, I think the if I could just put blame there it's that these were writers who had never worked on animation before they gave it to a person who did his job as he's done it before mm -hmm. and and ably so but then when it comes back the producers are not used to that and i think i think anything that would be the first thing they got back they'd hate uh, honestly like oh uh, yeah absolutely and and so kent was just kind of set up to fail and then on top of that it comes when they probably already were having early problems with Gabor Chupo and just the friction between yeah. those two guys. And it's like, yeah, it was the first thing that came back. So it's like, we had an idea of what the show looked like in our minds mm -hmm. and you didn't match that. You didn't read our minds. Yeah. And so Silverman can get a little closer to what they wanted. And I bet they're so positive about Bart the Genius just because it was better than what they got on enchanted evening and they forgave it they're like oh thank god this is we're saved like but delaying this redoing it like it 
push the release of the show it was going to be a september 89 show and it became a uh december 89 slash january 90 show and mm-hmm. this this ep actually like it's weird there's like a two-week break too like they needed every second to work <laughs> on this uh to finish in time and then Klasky chupa would go on to just rule the 90s be way bigger than the simpsons ever was with the rugrats <laughs> yeah. arguably uh you know well now simpsons is bigger than rugrats yeah it's but, true oh yeah uh, but yeah i mean well there that, was a moment where yeah. it was like oh these are well, the there new was guys. a moment they could pitch any piece of shit to nickelodeon and they'd <laughs> buy it nickelodeon was 70 percent uh klasky chupo shows for a few years duckman yeah. is excellent i love it <laughs> one day you scoundrels will vote for talking duckman <laughs> mrs botts is a duckman character like, uh, mrs botts is out of like the wild thornberries or something yeah <laughs> those those insane breasts i don't i can't deal with them they're, they're, I think it's Miss Chokes on Dick. <laughs> oh yeah, from she, South Park. She really is yeah. Miss Makes Me Sick. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Silverman takes it over. They do extensive retakes. He says it's seventy percent. By my count, from rewatching it just now, I think it's more like sixty forty or even fifty fifty. Because like mm. every bot scene looks like it's the original. Like I maybe it's the her design is just so crazy. They're like we can't do shit with this. Yeah, like, like how does she move? <laughs> any shot without the family you could uh barter that it probably is from the original take yeah well and silverman also says even when it's the original take they redid backgrounds a lot because i think there's Mm. only like two shots in this that have the early season one like gradient backgrounds that that Mm. was their choice in those first episodes like like in the marvin monroe phone call there's a gradient background but uh and uh, so yeah silverman took it over that's why like there's some moments that look like a season two episode and then mm-hmm. the very next shot it's like the the first animation they ever did for simpson mm-hmm. that shot with bart and lisa on the couch it's like it's cobbled together from the different takes mm-hmm. yeah it's they go from being squeezed together and looking very you know butterworth and then when they get in that screen pose like that is a very sharp silverman yeah. drawing the that is they look so insane when they're tied up and when they're watching that uh, America's Most Armed and Dangerous show. Yeah. There's some insane drawings. Uh, they were featured on our live show if you happen to be there. Yeah. In January. The Simpsons will be right back. Dudes, welcome to Fox 32's Afternoon of Fun and Prizes. Between now and 5 o'clock, we're giving away 20 Simpsons t-shirts. Here's how it works. When you see Bart Simpson's face on your TV, call the special phone number on the screen. Don't call now. Just be callers 32 through 36, and you'll win your very own Simpsons t-shirt. So keep watching, and when you see Bart's face, call our special number. Now, it's time for the real Ghostbusters on Fox 32. Hey, we hope you guys are enjoying this week's podcast with a big bowl of sugar-frosted crusty flakes. And we really thank our guest, Thad Komarowski, for coming on. If you guys enjoyed all of his deep knowledge on cartoon history, you guys should definitely check out his Cartoon Logic podcast. You'll learn quite a lot about classic animation right there. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, you should know you can hear way more of it if you're a patron at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Thanks to the support of $5 and a Patreon subscribers. We're 
We're able to do Talking Simpsons every week, and the same goes for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we cover a different animated series in the same style. Thanks to those supporters, we've gotten to do the entire first season of Simpsons all over again in a much deeper detail. And if you signed up at five bucks a month right now, you get to hear next week's podcast right now. That would be our discussion of the classic album, Simpsons Sings the Blues. Plus, you get access to our giant back catalog of exclusive podcasts that only are available for Patreon subscribers, like interviews with folks who've worked on The Simpsons since the beginning, including this episode's director, David Silverman, talking about working on this episode, and our many exclusive mini-series you can only hear. Me and Bob talking about every episode of The Critic, the first season of King of the Hill, the first 23 episodes of Futurama, and right now, Talking Mission Hill, where we're going through every episode of Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein's cult classic animated series. You can only hear all of those for five bucks a month if you are a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And if you're looking for podcasts that are even more elegant than a dead lobster, then you need to sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. You get all that $5 stuff I just mentioned, but boy, oh boy, do you get something even better. Our monthly premium podcast, What a Cartoon Movie. Me and Bob talk about a different animated feature film up to and even over four hours long each month. Films as diverse as Akira, Toy Story, Kiki's Delivery Service, Batman Mask of the Fantasy, and Beavis and Butthead do America, The Iron Giant, Animatrix, a goofy movie. That's over 60 hours of classic animated feature chat. And you can only hear it if you are a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So they re they do all the retakes. It airs as the season finale instead of the series premiere. And Kent Butterworth, he'd go on, like you said, to work on Tiny Toons. He would also direct uh, the only Kennedy episode of Batman the Animated Series, oh. Christmas with the Joker. Oh, man. The, the worst looking episode of that show, I yeah. think. I mean, Kennedy just, they're not a good fit for doing an action show like Batman. That was that was a mistake on Warner's part. And uh, and then he'd go on to work on uh, the first years of Instant be i think just the spumco years right um kent was a freelance timer it's actually funny he got blamed for something else there too <laughs> um that poor guy uh, he uh there's an episode it's commander hoek and cadet stimpy episode uh marooned it's mm. like the most bloated worst timed of all the episodes and everyone says that kent did it <laughs> and i asked i directly asked kent is like is this your work and he's like because it's really bad and everything's timed like it's underwater and he's like i wouldn't do something like that unless i I was instructed i think i did littlest giant but that was it mm, okay. but what's funny is with kent uh he he was he was kind of, he was a friend of john k's for years and at when he was at deke on sonic the hedgehog that was when john got fired and he took all his loyalists with him saying all right we're gonna sell all these series <laughs> you know and then he calls up ken he's like i got no fucking work for these guys you gotta hire them <laughs> and so they're all working on sonic so wow. you know, that, that definitely uh helped the attitude and resentment <laughs> Uh, to to go from the critically 
spotted Ren and Stimpy to uh, the, the Deke 65 episodes of Junk Adventures of Sonic. That explains a lot about that show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of the craziest ass drawings that uh, sells from that show are great gifts and very affordable gifts. Robotnik's butts. <laughs> yeah. His big butts. Any, any shots of Robotnik. Uh, well, Robotnik is actually Milton Knight's creation who wasn't really involved with Ren and Stimpy. So. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Kent, he, he oversaw those adventures of Sonic. He, I think uh, around the late nineties, he transitioned to Warner and he's been, he, he's like been a timer on basically every like Batman or Scooby-Doo movie Warner has put out in the last like 10 years, at least he's, uh, he's been hot working hard in the movie division of, uh, of Warner animation these days or the direct to video one, I should say. Yeah. I, he sort of fell off the radar with me. I just haven't, well, we, we were never really closer to like internet pals or anything, <laughs> but we just like knew each other through the classic cartoon stuff. So, um, no, he's, he's a good guy. He's very talented. What did he, he said that his best experience, experience was working for ralph bakshi and uh the late chris riccardi uh christened him ralph's bitch but uh yeah (laughs) but uh he he, you know well there there's stories like he would like ralph would send him out to the dumpster to find stuff and he would go (laughs) well i mean ralph sounds like an abusive guy who needs codependence so that's yeah uh, so (laughs) but uh he just wasn't a good fit for the simpsons i mean it's just i think ian was the guy who's who said uh, you know it's just miscommunication yeah you know, yeah so no one was doing bad work i yeah. mean some of the stuff in the original cut of enchanted evening is objectively bad but mm. it's no more objectively bad than in what aired on uh, i mean in homer's Part of the genius or homer's odyssey in homer's odyssey that shot of him dancing on the oh, guardrail yeah. is one of the worst <laughs> drawings i've ever seen uh, in the show. Oh, when, they, when he falls down into the crowd that's like that's your final shot yeah that's your final shot and this is it's it's fucking terrible it's like this is what ends shows uh but yeah so that's that's the story of kent this i guess i think our chat about the actual episode will go pretty fast because this is a light on details yeah episode, not a lot but, happens uh, and uh what little drama there is is immediately resolved yeah <laughs> this season one dvds though you gotta if you don't have them or haven't opened them up in a while the script view of this one is really worth it like there's some big ch- there's a couple big changes i'll bring up but are there any like macarining doodles in them so many doodles oh shit i gotta check this so out again oh, good. you good. can you see him like if it's a bart page he drew a like five tr- uh hair spike bart on there or or a marge one of my favorite is i believe it's on the page that ends act two he just drew popeye it's just popeye's <laughs> head he just drew him in there for some reason but also it's interesting like it's dated there's even notes from matt on there of like okay 10 a.m tomorrow rosewood that's where we're recording recording the script mm, like it's cool and uh, i love it, seeing that stuff and also i've saw it in previous ones you know in the scripts they give the credits of who at the table read is reading stuff but they've been redacted in the other ones i've read not on this one cool uh though they are written in light pencil so there's a couple that i can't fully get but um there's no harry shearer at this like he i think he was hired after this or he hadn't started yet because he's not credited as anybody on you here. hear him once at the end as a reporter <laughs> and that's it well he is marvin but oh yeah uh, duh sorry but that's the most okay actually for the second most interesting thing chris collins he's on the credits there the late chris collins original mo 
but he's also on this table read barney he's mm. barney dan actually only has like one non-homer character voices in this this is uh, maybe this table read is when they're like dan should be doing like five other characters <laughs> so but chris collins is barney and the craziest one to me is marvin monroe in it's written down that it makes me think he was there for the table read shock jock tom Lycus. Like, no he is freaking wow. way it's he's it's marvin monroe dot 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 in pencil tom Lycus, and it's spelled the way tom Lycus's name they, is spelled their voices so. are identical yeah yeah <laughs> i mostly know him through the comedy bang bang version of him uh the disgusting i in 90 was he as gross as he was now like i i, I would have uh, to assume so <laughs> so so it was stunt casting it was originally going to be tom Lycus. that's crazy that's never come out i love finding new stuff <laughs> and and uh, also in the credits, Miriam Flynn was the voice actress who was doing most of the women in there. Hmm. She she read for bots, but in parentheses next to her name, Graining wrote, Penny Marshall's going to be her. So she, Penny Marshall just wasn't there for the table read. It was Miriam Flynn doing it, but they always intended to be her. But it all clicked into place for Marvin Monroe, specifically in this episode, seeing that it was just supposed to be Tom Likas. Like his smoking and eating in this one it makes so much more sense but uh but yes that that is the huge revelation i couldn't believe that's nuts uh but uh yes the the episode begins <laughs> uh in the original animation it is a long sequence of marge talking to maggie about how much she loves starting the day and uh, you can see how it was originally supposed to be like you get a man you got like a close-up of bart you got a close-up of lisa homer it introduces every character and to see that in the new animation it was just replaced with like a static shot of everyone sitting at the table it's uh it's definitely less dynamic yeah i, I loved how that original opening was staged it really emphasized marge's state of mind being utter chaos due to her family yeah and uh, i love the, the like the pull apart of the donut box and how it flies <laughs> into the air and and bart looking for the frosted crusty flakes and mm -hmm. and he, the joke is in both ones but you barely even register it in the broadcast version of Bart pouring a whole sugar bowl into his sugar yeah. bowl cereal. He does that in the broadcast version, but it's it's all just played in a single shot that you can't really see it. And uh, instead of Marge talking to Maggie a ton, she is just silent watching the family. <laughs> very sad and i wanted to mention something too uh before, but um i had a note about the first season couch gags uh oh yeah what they are but a bunch of them repeat because something originally was supposed to happen to each member of the family and uh mm. marge and lisa each had a respective gag if i got told what they were hmm. i forget oh so they never but used i it. have to hazard a guess it was decided it wasn't funny if the two female characters were singled out for a pratfall mm. i mean uh, aggie's opening is still there because she gets caught by marge but um, that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah. yeah and there were only five uh couch gags in the season so one for each uh, member of the family presumably yeah. Boy, that makes a lot of sense. The joke. So all of the original couch gags were just, this is too small of a couch for five people and one character is going to fall out. But who will it be? <laughs> I'm glad in season two, they're like, you know, we could do more with these couch gags than just that. What if they were well, this all This one frogs. has the best one because nothing happens. Yeah, I always knew. Oh, it's going to be the babysitter bandit one. Maybe I can go do something else. What if a family <laughs> sat on a couch together? I think it would go something like this. Oh, and by the way, some enchanted evening from the musical 
Central South Pacific. Ah, uh, yes. I yes, never bothered yeah. to look that up until now. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you. I actually forgot that too. Uh, but yes, let's hear the the new opening. And now to our own pie in the sky, Bill Pie in the KBBL traffic copter. So come on in, Bill. Bad news, drivers. There's an overturned melon truck on the interstate. Oh, it's a mess. There's lots of rubbernecking and melon wrestling going on, so expect the Hey, Boomer! kicking off the season one trend of like a TV has to be playing in the background or a radio like Dan Castaneda is just going on with his broadcast under all this and I thought it was sacrilegious or sacrilegious that Bart was the one who wanted a donut yeah and Homer just fell in his place like oh I guess I'll eat this yeah if I I will sure I'll eat a donut yeah man the whole again it's played so static like it feels like an overreaction like Silverman heard how much they hated especially that just like mega cartoony opening with so much squats and stretch that he's like everyone is locked into place they don't move like uh like yeah. their their joints feel like they're on um, metal rods or something oh you know he wanted to do something more with that scream of homers too oh yeah yeah the and, and even the, the i forgot they kept in the joke of marge wanting a kiss and homer ignoring it but it's it's played so weird in this it's, it's so subtle i mean in the original version and that's when uh, he kind of slams the door in her face or opens the door in her face and she like kisses the door oh, yeah, yeah it's like olive oil yeah and then later <laughs> later in this episode in the finished product you can see the lip print on the door from that yeah, cut animation there. yeah you're right, you're right. uh it's yeah. a callback to a joke they cut out that's amazing I love Marge's long walk down the hallway in that original footage. Though. Yeah, it's a good. And there's like a first person run by Bart through the hallway. Like there's really ambitious stuff there. Like uh, as in this one, it's just like so locked into place. And and yeah, I guess that's got to be Arnie's twin brother, Bill, perhaps. Yeah, but that's Bill Pie with Pie in the Sky. They just went for the obvious joke. It's so much better. Arnie, Pie Arnie, with Arnie, Arnie in, in the, the sky. sky. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, Nancy Cartwright doing a random voice, another thing they'd only do in season one. Like, So, wait, in, in the production history of the show, is, is Bill Pye the first character we hear? Guess he is. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess in, you know, Marge talks first and the radio's on, then during that scene, I think, in the mm. original Yeah, that's true. But, yeah. Uh, but I, I get, so... When I see it from a pilot writing standpoint, I get that they see this as in all the shorts, it's all about the kids and really just Bart. So now to show how different things are, we're going to have a like a monologue by the mother who has been nobody up to this point in the series. And it's an ambitious thing to do, but it I'm really glad they cut it. It just doesn't work. Like This feels like two episodes or like two 11-minute shorts where the first short is Marge is mad at home or the second short is like Home Alone. They yeah. go out and there's oh, like a yeah. Home Alone yeah. event. Although Home Alone would come a year later. So this came first. So they really ripped off uh, Home Alone, ripped them off, I'd say. <laughs> 
the Homer screen, I, I do like getting a wormy tongue on Homer. I always love the worm tongue when they when they scream. Another another lost piece of Simpsons art over time. And uh, yeah, so Marvin Monroe. Then it, we hear him on uh, the radio with his show starting. He's much more like us in here, and he's uh, though also like his the guy we talked about before the the inspiration for fraser crane as well as a radio psychologist uh and now it's even crazier if you think of him as tom likas him telling marge like your husband's a pig it's like you're the most piggish man on the radio like and uh but yes the the turn from marge on the phone to inside the radio station is just jarring in the animation change there uh but here's the clip this is KBBL K-Babble. All talk 24 hours a day. If you'd like to share your embarrassing problem with our listening audience, we invite you to call our therapist at the airwaves, Dr. Marvin Monroe. Our number is 555-PAIN. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Call now. Hello? I'd like to talk to Dr. Monroe. First name, age, problem? I'm Marge, 34. And my problem is my husband... He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't appreciate me. I don't know how much more of this I can... Hey, lady, save your whining for when you're on the air, okay? <laughs> yeah, it just takes uh, a long time to get to stuff in this. It's like, first March has to... First she has to hear the announcement, then she has to call, then she has to be put on hold. There's, like, <laughs> so much, like, uh, shoe leather to get yeah. to these uh, important scenes. And I wonder, because she says it off screen, I wonder if in the original recording March said 33 because she turns 34 mm. in... Uh, wait. Um, yeah, in Life on the Fast Lane. There you go, yeah. yeah. Actually, I do recall in the script she says 34, too, so that's uh, out of order, then. Yeah. She's... Uh, or maybe she was just rounding up on the phone call, though. I would never round up my age. Like, no one in their 30s would, I don't think. There's some okay comedy with the guy going like, hey, tell it to the, save it for the air. Like, don't don't tell me this. This episode, we have 555-PAIN and 1-800-YOU-SQUEAL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of phone phone number jokes. <laughs> the idea of calling it a, a phone number with a funny name was have very heard, novel. Though. Have you heard about these phones, folks? They're crazy. <laughs> uh, so then we cut to the nuclear power plant in production order since this was going to be the first time we see him at the plant and we like this is the answer what does homer do for a job he works at the power plant and in the script there's a lot more lingering on the idea of like oh a scary sign that says call this or seven days without an accident or whatever and the sign gags are in the background but they're so underplayed like you can't see it. and this looks like Butterworth footage too to me and all these <laughs> yeah most of this is and all uh, the, the weird firework. Homer friends that we don't see anymore, yeah. <laughs> like uh, the pre-Lenny and Carl friends. That's like Lenny's dad, the guy telling him, like, that sounds like your wife. <laughs> class <laughs> after class of ugly, ugly adults. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like Marge should know who Marvin Monroe is because uh, he's the guy that made her family electrocute each other. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, right. th this guy's a hack. This guy's a quack, rather. <laughs> you're I'm right. not going to call him. <laughs> uh, maybe she forgot it all. I, I mean, Marge is written quite ditzy in season one. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, the Kent footage too. I feel like an inside joke they were doing was Homer, especially in the cut footage. But there's even still some shots in this, like. Homer is Fred Flintstone. Like they, they are mm -hmm. following the Fred rules of like his feet pointing out, his like just general posture. It's a very they're they're going to Fred Flintstone there. Like I've seen the character design art like the model sheets silverman did for homer of just like here are the rules of homer and a lot of them are just broken every single shot that <laughs> that kent did of homer in this 
Uh, but yeah, we get to see the interior. The power plant is Homer wants to listen in on this funny phone call. When we were dating, he was sweeter and more romantic and 40 pounds thinner and he had hair. And he ate with utensils. <laughs> what was that last thing you said? That's funny. <laughs> hey, isn't that your wife, Homer? Don't be ridiculous. My wife worships the ground I walk on. Marge. It's what I call harsh reality time. Oh. Your husband sees you as nothing. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. No, no, no. Don't uh-huh. hang up. The pig has made you into his mother. You are not the hot love object you deserve to be. Really? I'm as sure of it as I'm sure my voice is annoying. <laughs> Tonight, the second he comes through that front door, you've got to tell him you're fed up. And if he doesn't start loving, you'll be leaving. Leave home? Please, don't use his real name. Leave Pedro? (laughs) (laughs) Can you be that honest, Marge? Yeah. You'll tell him right when he comes home from work. Yeah. Say it like you mean it. Yeah. That's that's a funny scene. I mean, in the writing, I love her. uh, Once he says he views you as nothing, she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's all I needed to know. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, I understand now. But uh, Marge has some very, like, silver mini posing on her sobbing, too. I like that. Yeah, uh, Marvin, it's weird he's, like, acting like a pig, calling out Homer being a pig. I feel like that's the joke there, that Marge is just taking advice from another pig about what a pig her husband is. And so, like, the leave Pedro thing, that was pretty funny. And uh, I forgot, like, I'm sure my voice is annoying. That's in the script, too, even. Like, so maybe it was them dunking on Tom Likas to his face. Of Like, yeah, your voice sucks, Tom Likas. And I guess this character didn't come back a lot because Matt Groening didn't like characters with gruff voices like that. And also, mm. I don't think Harry Shearer liked doing it. <laughs> I mean, plus his design is crazy. Yeah, that, like, that like, the scribble beard. Yeah, it's like a blue, <laughs> no, not a Bluto beard, like... Maybe a Brutus beard, I guess. But mm-hmm. this whole sequence, then, like, it's Homer gets inside information. Like, he knows Marge can leave him. So, in a way, this is subterfuge. Like, he tricks yeah. her. And, like, the, the the scene ends with Homer going, goop, like that. Mm-hmm. Like, they would, like, make a joke about doing that kind of a joke, like, two years later. Oh, yeah. Then it comes to, they love the two bar tapes so much. They're like, we got to do this twice. Not just <laughs> once, twice in this episode. And uh, we cut to Moe's bar as as Bart gives our first prank phone call. Oh, come on, Bart, not again. Oh, where's your sense of humor? Moe's Tavern. Hello, is Al there? Al? Yeah, Al. Last name, Alcoholic? Let me check. Phone call for Al. Alcoholic. Is there an alcoholic here? (laughs) Wait a minute. Listen, you little yellow belly rat jackass. If I ever find out who you are, I'll kill you. <laughs> I hope you do find that punk someday, Mo. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that's taken right from the two bar tapes. I can just hear it go, alcoholic! <laughs> yeah, an alcoholic! They just did it straight. I've got to say that I, I, I have always loved the prank calls. I, I'm so, I know it's completely juvenile but and stupid <laughs> and pointless but you know it's it's just a good break you know it's it shows bart is still a kid well and... um i'm an ugly moron and my butt smells and i like to kiss yes. my own butt <laughs> <laughs> 
the way they tried to find new stuff to do with it, I think, led to some of my fate. I mean, I'm you, Jazz. He's yeah. uh, like, hey, man, I, I got to get off the phone. Okay, like that. That all exchange rules. Uh, and but yeah, once they pinned it on Jimbo, that pretty much was the end of oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. They won Bandit. Yeah. I mean, they were. I Mike Reese, one of the showrunners, when they ended it, he was very clear of like these are hard to write. Nobody laughs at them at the table reads. I don't want to do them anymore. Yeah, you're right. Straight off of the tapes in the so you laugh at the rat jackass thing in the script. He did say rat bastard. Oh, <laughs> so it must have been a the jackass was a censor note. I'm yeah, b- bastard's a little harsher for uh, 1989. Yeah. Bastard, 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 bastard. Oh yeah, <laughs> season two we had the bastard song. Maybe they even did that song because like here's how he finally got away with bastard. They cut it in season one because he but... was using it literally. Yeah, <laughs> man, Mo is just. Like, okay, so Bart on the one end of the phone, he is very David Silverman. The other end of the phone, every scene at Moe's is Kent Butterworth. And like, also, uh, Moe is retaining his missing tooth that's on the model sheet, yeah. on the original model sheet for Moe. So you see that gross missing tooth. He's hideous. He's, I don't think he's ever looked worse than when he does a front facing speech to Homer oh. in the next show. I'm, I'm so glad they didn't go with this uh, characterization of Moe, too, you know, as. Uh, wisely bartender it's just way too cliche he's a scumbag who steals he's ugly he needs to be that for the character to work especially since he's threatening to kill a prank caller yeah yeah he's you're right he kind of turns into like wilson from home improvements uh for a part of this and he also like uh, mo in his speech here he's he knows more about women than he ever will at any other (laughs) time yeah yeah uh it just doesn't work i mean maybe it worked for the mo that collins did because this is all fully re-recorded like mo's lip sync is terrible in this but it's it's because azaria redid it it ain't good though not as much as you think the the dialogue is pretty similar but there are some big changes uh, that all were for the better especially there's he has a line where right before he gives his big speech about pigs that i'll play in a sec he says like i'm gonna give you a shot of truth with a side of honesty and a but and then i'm just like oh this is terrible i wasn't marked for cutting in the original script so i'm guessing when azaria was reading it back they're like you know don't do that like, like, i'm gonna give you a shot of truth with an honesty chase at home yeah. uh but it's like five more lines than that yeah. it's really bad like uh also like homer looks very fred in some of these shots is mm-hmm. his it's funny too when he gets handed a glass he's handing the glass to mo to get refilled it's a giant glass it's all wrong but then when it gets given back to him and he gets the pickle jar a pickled egg jar that's when it's a silverman shot and the glass has shrank considerably and all of the advice that mo gives homer homer later repeats to mr burns in homer's night oh, out you're right all yeah. the basic like how to how to like uh, win over a woman like you know buy her flowers hours take her out uh, you know have dinner with her yeah that's true is he was he supposed to be recalling what mo told him in episode one i could see that yeah i could see that again mo has never had sex to this point i i (laughs) I choose to believe that but this element of the plot i always forget about because it's just so nothing so yeah marge is mad at homer homer buys her flowers marge stops being mad at homer the end (laughs) there's nothing clever about it there's no subversion of anything it's just i don't even know if the writers are aware this is a terrible relationship and this is just an empty gesture by a a a terrible man but it's just like it's so flat and then like the the exciting in quotes part starts after this where it's just like well now there's antics and dancing and sex 
<laughs> well, uh, first, why don't we learn a thing or two about love from Mo? Hey, you can go with me. You got a domestic situation. You might say that. My wife's going to leave me because she thinks I'm a pig. Oh, What? Marge is right. You are a pig. You can ask anyone in this bar. What? Hey, Barney, am I a pig? You're no more of a pig than I am. <laughs> oh, no. See? You're a pig. Barney's a pig. Larry's a pig. We're all pigs. Except for one difference. Once in a while, we can crawl out of slop, hose ourselves off, and act like human beings. I'm a... Buy your wife some flowers and take her out for a night on a town. Candles, tablecloth, the whole nine yards. Gee, a romantic evening. Nah, she's too smart to fall for that. I'm not done. After dinner, the two of you are going to check into the fanciest motel in town and not check out until the next morning, if you get my drift. I read you loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a, a later script would have had him say, I hear you loud and clear. You mean sex, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, that's the joke in uh, New Kid on the Block when he's talking to oh. Ross Powers. That's what she said. We, we are talking about sex, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> loud and clear. Wow. Uh, well, this is the first uh, scene ever in Moe's, right? In, yeah. yeah. Production yeah. order, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I so think- I, I wanted to mention, just give a shout out to uh, Dan Haskett since we're here. He was the designer of Moe and Barney. Nice. Yeah. He's one of the greatest draftsmen of all time. It's hard to find people that classically trained still around. I mean, he draws the way he draws just demands to be animated. And a lot of character designers today do not draw that way. Mm. He started out in uh, New York. Uh, he was working on Sesame Street right out of high school. Wow. And then he was uh, working for Richard Williams. He did a lot of assistant and cleanup work on Raggedy Ann and Andy, uh, which that... is a terrible film. But <laughs> a lot of important people did work on it. There's some great animation in that. I can't I can't believe that movie. I just can't (laughs) believe it. Well, Eric Goldberg started out there, too. um, And Haskett did a lot of work on the best part of the movie, The Greedy. The Greedy is the greatest thing. I um, I, That's by Emery Hawkins, um, which is the only good part of the film, really. I'm Um, mesmerized by The Greedy, yes. (laughs) Emery was the main designer and animator of the best Woody Woodpecker. And then he did a lot of work for Warner Brothers in the 40s but dan's really one of those unsung guys i mean if you enjoyed something or thought a cartoon was really well drawn in the last 40 years uh chances are dan's name is somewhere in the credits um i think you mentioned henry he was uh did a lot of design work on ariel and bell for disney as well yeah, yeah that's uh looking at the timeline it's just funny that he was like fresh off of little mermaid and mm. going going to simpsons after that and like, did he do the animation that's cut of marge and homer dancing very well the super yes. fluid yeah that looks like uh, his bot scene later just how fluid and uh, unearthly it looks yeah his most recent gig is uh, he was the main designer and uh, layout on the uh, new looney tunes cartoons oh. easily the best thing in their favor um That's he's cool. 
maybe one or two people who should actually have that job. <laughs> but I think he's on Space Jam 2 now. Oh, no. Best of my knowledge. Yeah. Let's talk about Howard. Yeah, okay. It's time. Here it is. It's Howard Flower. Oh, wait. Wait, before. No, sorry. I want to talk about Howard. Oh, but no, I, I, I got to quote uh, something from Dan Haskin. I want to okay. quote because I found something of him. I don't know him personally, but I found an interview of his. Quoting Dan Haskett uh, back in 2010, he said, One of the biggest challenges in my career was preparing Matt Groening original character designs for the Simpsons TV series. Ah. I think Matt was once quoted as saying he draws the same now as he did in eighth grade. So I had to work backwards <laughs> and forget nearly everything I'd learned to get to that level, but still be able to put it in three dimensions. It was a real challenge. It's ironic that the one thing I earned an Emmy for, and it's also the one project that drove me crazy. Wow. I yeah. So he really is unsung there. Is it like the... These all work in uh, the designs, even the family work in the series, a big reason because of Dan Haskett's uh, abilities. Yeah, to take the, uh, the the flat, almost cubist macarining drawings and turn them into things you can move around and rotate, you know, with like uh, dimensions. Well, I mean, even the shorts, like the shorts, I have loved the shorts more now than I did when we started this podcast, but it's a different model every shot sometimes. Yeah, like, it, it is very inconsistent it's more like here's my take on a matte drawing now yeah in yeah. this moment boy i gotta interview this guy gotta just only simpsons i only like ignore <laughs> the rest of his career all, all his amazing work at disney just just simpsons but before we leave Bo's bar i did just want to say there was one cut scene with, <laughs> with barney fireworks factory's coming uh barney barney uh gives drunken advice where it's just uh, the gag that he keeps saying like bell her you bluff her like what <laughs> tell her i love her no tell her i I love her like that. I though I do like the animation on his uh, more big. You're more of a big than I am. And the bar flies are there. They're there in shot. He mentions one. Larry. That's why he's called Larry's Larry. A pig. <laughs> yeah, there's. I can't tell what song it is, but it is another licensed oh, yeah. song in the room too. I, I yeah. wanted to mention that, like at this time, they're mixing shows. Like at the end of the season, they realize like every time we're in Moe's, a different song with lyrics plays. That's too distracting. <laughs> Soon that will go away forever. But the joke was like you're in Moe's. There's going to be a, a bar style song, a bamopi song. Yeah, that that too obviously tells you the emotion of a scene yeah okay <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about howard all right baby <laughs> howard who is dead uh the character is dead yes yeah well here i play the opening sound why don't i play him real quick yeah here. sure uh, i'd like some flowers what kind of flowers uh you know pretty ones not dead well we have some beautiful long stem roses they're 55 dollars a dozen one please so he has two lines in the entire series, <laughs> uh, voiced by Paul Wilson, his only time ever on The Simpsons. He is a super character actory kind of guy. We might know him best, uh, people from our generation, as one of the two Bobs in Office Space. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's sort of like a, a plump gentleman with glasses and he's bald. If you're older, he played Paul on Cheers, sort of like a Kirk Van Houten Hell character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I loved him. As well, he, I don't I, remember Paul at all. One of my favorite Cheers 
episodes was where Carla realized one night when they all got drunk, she had sex with somebody at the bar and she was feared it was Cliff or Norm. But <laughs> but then she finds out it's that guy and she's like, Cliff. she wants to kill herself. He's more of a loser than like the bar flies. Like he yeah. can't fit in with them. <laughs> um, So also he was on like a ton of it's Gary Shandling show as a recurring character. Uh, okay. uh, but I think the real connection was he played the same character three times on Laverne and Shirley and we'll get to Laverne and Shirley soon oh, because okay. of Penny Marshall. But yeah, in a season 20 episode called Wedding for Disaster, we found out that Howard passed away 10 years before that and his son, Howard Jr., now owns the store, voiced oh. by Hank Azaria. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they returned to Howard's Flowers. Yep. That's Just once. Yeah. Just once, like 10 years ago. It's it's funny on the commentary, grading is apologetic of like, we thought it was funny to have rhyming store names. Uh, we stopped thinking that pretty soon. Uh, that uh, Yes, we, we've at least made it to Howard's Flowers, though. We've been waiting God. all season for it. <laughs> now I can retire. Another change from the script is that, as you see, Homer arrives with a flower and a box of chocolates. He, in the script, goes to Candy Most Dandy. We we have a scene with Mr. Dandy? Yeah. He, oh. it's, it's a scene of Homer uh, not knowing what candy to buy for his box of chocolates and driving Mr. Dandy crazy. We only see him once in the final uh, you know, version of season one, but I was like, what were the plans for Mr. Dandy? Like, These are two <laughs> like proprietors that presumably would be throughout the entire series, right? Yeah, Dandy and Howard. We would have seen them as, as often as we see Apu and, and Lionel Hutz. We would have seen these guys. It was cut at the table read. Like, on the table read draft, it's just marked <laughs> through. Like Mr. Dandy was murdered that day. <laughs> at, the, at the table read, James L. Brooks here is like, we just went to Howard and now we're hearing from Mr. Dandy. No, we're not doing two of these. Also in the script, there's too many scenes of Marge getting madder and madder. There's already oh. like three in here, but there's we, like one extra. We talked about our, our now growing contempt for Richard Gibbs, the composer for season one. <laughs> and his one maneuver he does uh, to add dramatic tension to a scene is what I call the Gibbs sting. And we've heard it several times. It pops up like 30 times in this episode, just like the whenever. <laughs> something shocking happens yeah. it is all over this one I, I was like I didn't realize I disliked this guy so much until we did this super deep dive into season one uh, I'm sure he did good work on Ullman I'm sure he's a yeah. good, uh, good composer bad uh, fit for this there's also, I can't tell if it's a choice or a mistake, but after Marge growls at the kids, which that's a funny drawing. I like those drawings. Uh, but then they show her, the act ends with her just glaring at the door, which is a weird choice for an act it's, break. It's the weakest act break. There's a better act break in this. I think like bots appearing is an act break, right? Yeah, yeah. that's an act break. But, but, but what I think is either a mistake or a weird choice is that... When Marge is glaring at it, she blinks every time the clock ticks. Mm. Like if you you hear the secondhand tick, her her eyes blink as well. Which I, I can't tell if it's a fuck up or uh, an intentional choice. And uh, yeah, it just ends with Marge murmuring is the end of Act 1. Uh, and then yes, Homer comes in after Marge is having like swirling angry audio uh, equipment yell at her. And... There's a scene of him in the rain going, I love you, baby. <laughs> or whatever. He's pra yeah. he's practicing it. I got to tell you, I was watching this and Homer, you know, on the TV saying, I love you. My bird heard him. My bird told Homer, I love you back. So it was very Aww. sweet. <laughs> That's 
that is sweet. Yeah. He was, he meant it too. Uh, and you would think that I would have, if somebody asked me, oh, I bet you they changed that. Like, no, that's in the script too. Like Marge in the script is like Marge stand still previous lines from Marvin Monroe repeat in her mind. Like, so that was all there, even in their pilot script. And yeah, Homer's arrival. Homer also, after we just watched busted, he's back to Walter Matthau just fully in this episode. Yeah. He's walked to the door at the very least when Marge opens the door on him trying to open it that kind of like angled down shot that looks like a season two or even three shot mm. to me like uh it's it's much more in in the silverman style but uh it's pretty crap that marge just instantly oh him. homer <laughs> that's basically what it is yeah i don't know if they're aware of how uh bad this uh relationship Maybe is it was an attempt at irony about how bad it was but just doesn't play out yeah it's well. not extreme enough like it no, just it's, it's just so subtle and it like just deflates like well i guess that's over yeah just like oh the, the these characters are gonna get divorced now after seeing his pathetic arrival she's just like oh and also that the the way she just gives it all up after we've had to watch for like seriously two minutes of her grinding her teeth and it, her it's eyes like boring. literally turning red yeah that's pretty yeah. extreme too she's seeing all those demons in her head yeah uh, the, the phone demon the radio demon <laughs> and and instantly she forgives him it makes her look really stupid honestly yeah and, and then homer gets away with something like he should have if he had said i heard you on the radio i'm so sorry like but instead he's like i tricked her i tricked her out of divorcing me uh, and it's uh yeah it's just bad i don't like it yes the the kiss in the doorway shot where marge embraces homer like that does look very butterworth too like they're kind of melty they just mm. kind of like shift around a lot it's a weird shot too maybe it's even like framed to look like the doorway kiss from the cut opening like i i can't tell uh but yes they then the next scene begins with another prank phone call like two <laughs> two in one episode we just never seen that on tv <laughs> Marge Tavern. Is Oliver there? Oh. Oliver, close off. Hold on, I'll check. Oliver, close off. Call for Oliver, close off. <laughs> and I made reservations at the Chaise Paris. <gasps> but Homer, it's so expensive. It matters not, mon frere. And after desserts, we'll adjourn to our second floor room at the off-ramp inn. Oh, Homer, I feel giddy. Wait, what about a babysitter? Oops. Not to worry. Listen, you lousy bum. If I ever get a hold of you, I swear I'll cut your belly open. Goodness, must be a crossed wire. Homer should really recognize Moe's voice there, I think. But uh, maybe that's a joke. But I, I I, really like the one of my favorite posings in the episode is when Marge kind of pushes away from him and goes like, Oh, Homer, I feel giddy. Like, it's a cute drawing. We've heard about uh, Chez Pierre, but not Chez Paris. Uh, maybe that's him mispronouncing it then? I don't think so. But he calls uh, Marge like my brother instead of, you know, oh, my love. I didn't get that. Yeah, mon frere. <laughs> he learned not, Bart should have taught him more French. He's these are the Homer says words wrongs jo words wrong jokes of the first season. Mm -hmm. Always funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's not funny. Yeah, the uh, maybe they just wanted to make it clear that this is going to be a runner that Bart does 
prank calls by doing it twice in the first episode. So then we get the rubber baby buggy bumper babysitting service. <laughs> what are we doing with this? So long. Yeah. They, it's all in the script, not changed like this. I think they were a little too cute, I'd say. I mean, it's cool they got June Foray. That's big. Like, I, yeah. I love that it's June Foray because I sort of view this as a passing of the torch and mm-hmm. approval. You've got the, the main stay of what was up to that point the best tv cartoon uh rocky and bullwinkle passing it on to the next great cartoon in tv history oh yeah they it uh i mean it was fully intended to be that too like Mm -hmm. uh, graining on the commentaries like we got june foray i'm so happy we did and like it it was an intentional torch passing like they wrote themselves a torch passing and hired the torch passer to pass them a torch but it ends up in looking back in history, it was a torch passing Definitely. to the next Rocky and Bullwinkle. And you got to hit that death jingle, Henry. Yes, Keep that button yeah. handy because we, we got another one. Yeah, so first first use of the death jingle here. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. Yeah, so she passed away in July of 2017 at age 99. So My goodness. Two of the people on this episode, they were alive the first time we did it, yeah. like five That's years ago. Amazing. Yeah, with June. Yeah, we were. All, they were all kind of hoping she'd live to be 100, but, and, you know. Yeah, yeah just a few not- months shy of her 100th birthday. Yeah, uh, she's and she was doing acting like up into her last years. Like she she appears for an interview in that uh, John DiMaggio voice actor documentary. Like she's mm. she's uh, I mean, what can you say? Just a, a legend, like one of the all time legends of voice acting. Like not I mean, Rocky J. Squirrel alone and Natasha, like they're those are iconic characters to be remembered forever. And her voice acting does a lot for that. But but also like she's she's witch hazel she's she's mm. in a million things magicka dispel magicka dispel like yeah she's granny did we say granny uh yeah of course granny yeah. oh yeah. yeah i don't know why i said witch hazel first before uh, granny we, is more famous we all know witch hazel with her famous bobby pins <laughs> i love her laugh as witch hazel she's so funny and that's that uh, we've also got, and you've also got to give her credit she was a very big early advocate of uh recognizing you know the artists and the writers and everybody involved in the production of animation very um, much so through a cifa through a cifa the animation society because she, she had worked with uh tex avery and jones and freeling and she, she wanted to see these guys recognized for you know who you know the artists they were you just can't say enough about her yeah she her is like a proponent in in that way for the celebration of animation like it's that also is is just legendary like she also you know i think she was a big like part of the labor movement too mm. in in, in mm. acting like she's she was on nixon's enemies list as well that, that rules yeah. <laughs> and i remember in her like obituaries i was reading like people remarked like who who else could say that they you know worked with walt disney chuck jones jay ward and orson wells like who who else could say that uh not like that's uh just an amazing life for for uh for june foray like she's i i remember like her and alan young they recorded new dialogue for that remake of ducktales yes. and they yeah i mean yes they sound very old in it but they they did it and they they were still at it that was that was great 
so getting her in this is is great especially like she does three characters in it she's not just this uh crappy old lady on the at the baby with her giant service. phone <laughs> <laughs> that phone that's uh that's a kit butterworth phone if i ever seen one. Oh yeah that the shot at the uh babysitting company is all kent yeah it's funny because homer on his side of the phone is david silverman and then he's talking to uh the this kit butterworth woman. he's calling a different universe <laughs> <laughs> well i mean okay a babysitting service like that doesn't even make sense either like i don't know the, 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 these businesses exist like, um, they did yeah, oh, yeah okay. so. it just feels fake to me. i think I it's just know. like so you, they can vet people who watch your kids you know well, clearly they did a bad job exactly <laughs> well bots is a master schemester that's true yeah <laughs> still has been found and uh, I mean, this was a runner for a time of like babysitters are terrified of Bart Simpson. Like they they stuck with that for like the next five years of the show. Put it down, Bart. <laughs> Put it yes. down. A, a woman who had like a full mental collapse from it. But uh, you know, June foray at least in this with the stupid tongue twister she's told to give, uh, she's earning her payday in this uh, in this next clip. Babysitting service. This is Marge Simpson. I'd like a babysitter for the evening. Wait a minute. The Simpsons? Lady, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumper babysitting service. Hello, this is Mr. Samson. Did your wife just call a second ago? No, I said Samson, not Simpson. Thank God. Those Simpsons. What a bunch of savages. Especially that big ape father. Actually, the Simpsons are neighbors of ours, and we found them to be a quite misunderstood and underrated family. It sounds like Homer's defending himself from the bad reviews the show might have gotten. I think so. It it feels like them pre- imagining the reviews are going to get and that they're like well this season will obviously fail and it'll be reflected upon as underrated which like instead season one was a giant success that made a billion dollars no one would call it underrated that's for darn sure my mom had a good laugh at i said samson not simpson like that that's a good joke that's good there's funny writing in this it's not like an overall bad episode but uh so yeah they do lie to the babysitting service and get a babysitter in the room you can see bots on the couch so she's off model even there and what is on model for bots i guess that's a good question yeah like la- later they have to draw her for like you know things like tapped out just like well here's a character they refine her so much even though she never appears again <laughs> yeah really well i mean she's just she has a long worm neck and a giant head and then this just like brick house of a body and this like, these pendulous sagging breasts that like hang over her belt buckle yeah her, like her like waistline that fully break any rule about drawing Simpsons character. And she walks with like this weird uh, gait to her. I don't know what's up with that. Is it like, is she like injured or? It kind of reminds me of like Barney's like swinging arms. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There's a shot of her. uh, There's two shots of her walking in this episode that are just like incredible. Like (laughs) how's she getting around? What's going on here? Uh, and also uh, the the old lady who I said had like earthworm gym head like she's <laughs> she's on the couch as well. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, so they get a they get a babysitter. Then it then 
cuts to the characters getting ready for a court and the marge and lisa it's this feels a little too cute but i do like you know lisa's watching her mom for how to be a a grown woman bart's watching homer about how to be a man it's like norman rockwell no yeah (laughs) no i love that bart is resisting every second of it but and then like you said that was uh uh, haskett this bit with marge and lisa here yes which i think they just love the comedy of thinking like well how does marge do her hair she must put eight thousand curlers in her her hair every day the we we learn a little a little bit about mambo no mom you look so glamorous well tonight is a very special night your father is taking me out for dinner and dancing dad dances like an angel papa 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 Work that body, Homer. You know, one day you'll learn to move like your old man. Not if I can help it. (laughs) Son, there's not a woman alive who can resist a man who knows how to mumbo. You don't have a clue, do you, Dad? Out, boy. Out! What a grump. So Mambo, it's funny graining on the commentary again in 2001 in the post Mambo number five world. They're like, oh, Mambo's actually popular now. So there's five of them. <laughs> but, uh, but but graining is like, oh no, I wholeheartedly, like unironically, he loved Mambo. Like, yeah, the family was supposed to listen to KMBO or something right, like that. Yeah, yep. Mambo in the morning. They yeah. uh, there's they're listening to a Mambo radio in the drive to the off ramp in as well. Mm. Later. like uh we talked a bit about the mambo in our live show but just seeing homer dance to it and and as i said then i'll say it again that song is patricia by Perez prado uh famously for uh, used uh, for millennials as the intro theme to hbo's real sex <laughs> which uh yes many many a youngster uh enjoyed that special though uh real sex see cinemax was just they were like oh we have softcore we just show this like hbo they wanted to get like artsy they're like these are documentaries about people having sex and so you'd eventually just have to watch like hippie circle jerk in some yeah <laughs> yeah or like uh, nudist camps with very unattractive people i yeah. was more into or watching just like it, it was like a rejected simpsons bit almost the one time i saw it as a kid it was just all these elderly people trying to give each other an orgasm and <laughs> a and like an this pure white room it's like what what is this i was more into watching uh, dream on for like the 10 seconds of breasts you would see yes, yeah. like they could easily cut out for syndication but again youngsters you know in your in the pre-internet days you have to understand that if if you could see a naked person on tv you could get the job done. it was a big like, deal it, it was it was an important all, memory all hands on deck <laughs> so to speak for that yeah uh, but uh yeah the the homer scene seems very silverman too like because homer i would love to see what the original footage there was because i bet homer danced really well in the the original footage of him there yeah the shaving scene that's all in the script and i think it really was just a them answering the question of like what if fred flintstone shaved his uh, his five o'clock shadow those those shaving faces are so silverman yeah oh yeah the little faces he's making as he's shaving his beard yeah i love every bit of it when it gets down to just the sides he does and uh way he wipes off his lips it's really good and yes then pop right back in that's why homer always has a five o'clock shadow 
Then we get another runner I forgot that was a runner for season one that Bart slides down the banister and then smashes into the ground <laughs> yeah. off camera. They did that like five times this season. I forgot about that. Uh, and uh, then Bots enters the scene. The late Penny Marshall. I guess I should just play the death jingle now. Sure. Too. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is. Death. <laughs> You must be the babysitter. Yes, I am Miss Botts. Well, just don't stand there, boy. Help Miss Botts with her suitcases. I can handle my own luggage. Thank you for coming on such short notice, Miss Botts. Here are the phone numbers of the restaurant where we'll be dining and the motel where we'll be spending the night. You'll have to put Maggie to bed now, but Bart and Lisa can stay up for another hour. Until then, they can watch a tape from our video library. Oh, boy! The happy little elves meet the curious bear cub. Oh, the elves, the elves. Bye, kids. Watch out for the boy. (laughs) (laughs) Bye now. Be good. Come, children, let's go watch the Happy Little Elves. Look, lady, we've seen the crappy little elves about 14 billion times. Maybe we can watch some real TV. I said we're going to watch the tape. That's merely suggested viewing matter, lady. Mom lets us watch whatever the hell we want. I said you're going to watch this tape, and you're going to do what I say, or I'm going to do something to you. And I don't know what that is, because everybody has always done what I say. That's the best animation on The Simpsons ever made. Yeah, I think so. I like, yeah. I like Bart's walk back better. He's an utter... Oh, that's great. Like the 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 stiff walk back to the TV, just yeah. eyes locked on her. <laughs> and how crazy his arm looks when he shoves the tape in, like the no-look uh, uh, VCR. <laughs> also, like, Mar- we didn't need to see Marge kiss every child. That really takes too long. Yeah. There's a lot of cuts to make here. And when they leave, you see the kiss mark on the door. That's too. where it is, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Penny Marshall real quick. So yeah. she died at age 75 in December of 2018. Again, alive when we covered this. Uh, her brother Gary would appear later in the series as Larry Kidkill. I love that name of that character. Uh, so um, at this point, she had just directed the movie Big. She was about to start directing the movie Awakenings and was a few years away from A League of Their Own. Like mm. some big hits for her. She was transitioning out of acting. Though she'd still like, you'd see her in stuff every now and then. Mm-hmm. But So uh, where her career went, she was really cast in a go nowhere sitcom called Friends and Lovers by James L. Brooks in the uh, mid 70s. Oh. Uh, that was canceled mid season. And, Bro- and Brooks was so impressed by Mark that he cast her on the Mary Tyler Moore show as one of Mary's neighbors. Oh, really? Yes, I, I didn't know that. that. I, I watched every Mary Tyler Moore, but I did not recall that. I watched it a long time ago before I knew who Penny Marshall was. But the big deal was she appeared as the character Laverne, Laverne. a one-off character with Shirley, in the 1975 Happy Days episode, a quote-unquote, a date with Fonzie. And then those characters were so popular that the next year they were in a sitcom. Laverne yeah, and Shirley. Yes. Wow. One of seven spinoffs yeah. of Happy Days. Uh, I can't explain how huge Happy Days was. I was not around for it. I'm Frankly, I'm glad. But uh, <laughs> Happy Days had seven spinoffs. Uh, I mean, people liked remembering the 50s without, you know, the bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, no it, black characters. What, what Does Laverne and Shirley in the army count as one of them? I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Uh, that's like, that'd be eight then. Yeah. If you count the cartoons, there's like 10 Happy Days spinoffs. <laughs> 
God. Fonzie and his time machine. <laughs> All the wonderful things. When I was a kid, I would watch every old show just because I was like, oh, these are fun. But this one always confused me because I'm like, it's an old show that's also pretending to be an older thing. Yeah. That's really confusing. I think when I first saw it, I thought it was a show from the 50s. Me too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and of course, I first watched it because I loved the Buddy Holly music video. And that was such a weird time where like that music video that just that music video was so popular that like MTV got the rights to broadcast episodes of happy days on their channel sometimes That's, just for that I, I completely forgot about that though so the uh, the Weezer music video for Buddy Holly is yes. like taking place within the world of happy days is really cool effects in that in that video but also that was on the Windows 95 disc oh, they threw that on there to be like uh, here's a music video you can watch too man uh, what a time to be alive yeah not so good Al like that yeah that was the mid 90s celebration of a retro 70s show that was about the 50s too much ironies involved in that uh, product we were choking on it then man uh, but yeah Penny Marshall she was she was a great comedic actress like she probably uh, I would bet in her career she got shit of like you just got hired because your brother makes these shows but she's really good like uh and yeah then became quite a director and i remember one of the last things i probably joked about it when we first did this that uh the rumor was going around that her and carrie fisher were uh were a couple and uh i wanted that to be true mm. i wish it was just them as a couple old ladies are like ah fuck it we're we're old let's just be together ourselves uh but yeah no she was a great hire for this like a, the a huge star to get for your first episode i she's is she credited or uncredited in this she I is think. credited i checked uh, okay, so like the, right. uh, it's she's not an a brooks all right unlike this. sam a medic perhaps yeah. even which like you know she's braver than dustin hoffman then like uh, she she put her name on it i prepared a little bots corner for this episode to tell oh, you where uh, bot shows up again because she's so freakish they can't really trot her out anymore as a character so bots though, though everybody remembers her like everybody remember if you were watching simpsons during bart mania you remember the babysitter bandit there's like an action figure of her in that huge line of them it's it's hideous but so <laughs> uh, she mostly appeared on uh, like wanted posters in the background like only a few times and like she actually appeared in person in hurricane netty in the mental hospital like when you pan across the rooms the right. last joke it's john swartzwelder it's bots and then it's jay sherman right that's right those are the jokes it's where they locked away their old characters you'll never see again we're like well why won't we see these characters bots probably because she just looks so freakish and jay sherman's there because they i i felt like a score settling from uh the writers who were mad that they even did a critic <laughs> crossover episode i think so and also she is in the family guy episode the simpsons guy uh uh, in line for the car wash with uh, Hank Scorpio. No lines, oh. but they're like in their cars in line to get their car washed by Peter and Homer. I don't recognize that as a real episode. No, so. it's not. So, okay, so she is because they had to scrape season it's one. not canon. <laughs> it's not canon, I agree, and it's a horrible episode. So in uh, for video games at the time, they had to scrape season one like down to the electrons to find content <laughs> to put in these games. So she is in Bart versus the Space Mutants as the boss of the mall level, and I, I just... I copy this matter-of-fact description from the wiki about oh this. Uh, Bots also appeared as the boss of the Springfield Mall in The Simpsons, Bart vs. the Space Mutants, where she frequently tried to drop luggage onto Bart, the main <laughs> protagonist of the game, and the player. <laughs> Depending on whether Marge's name was spelled earlier, she will either deflect any luggage away from Bart, 
or Bart will have to dodge the luggage. Huh. Bart defeated her by throwing the luggage back at her. So she's a luggage-based opponent. Wow. That's what they took from <laughs> yeah. her. Like, oh, she's yeah. got luggage. That's well, what she does. What's she going to throw at them? He, she should be tying up Bart. Like, do that. Don't That do requires that. new sprites to draw. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, wow. I forgot you. Well, obviously, I didn't get to that level. No one beat and... level two. <laughs> <laughs> I got to level two, and I considered the game over. <laughs> but I, I'm not... I. I'm surprised she didn't show up as a boss and other things just because there's so few enemies to give Bart in those video games. Like, he needs... He lacks a lot of boss battles. Yeah, the but. bosses in that one were like Nelson, Adil, uh, Jim... No, not Jimbo. Um, Sideshow Bob and yeah, Bots. That's right. And Skinner, like, appears in backgrounds and stuff, but he's not, like, a, a final boss battle. Man, Bots, she's... Yeah, what a what an interesting character she is. I, I like that they at least kept the runner that she was on on the run for the rest of the series for, or for a few years. They're like, oh, well, how do we fill in space in the police station for this shot? Well, I want a poster for Bots. Let's just have that there. And to close the circle, if they ever end the show, the final episode should just be all about Bots, like finding Bots. <laughs> the hunt for bots yeah <laughs> Uh, and uh, yes, let's talk about those happy little elves too. I mean, we covered them a bit in the Christmas episode, but Graining really wanted to take a swipe at Smurfs and all those terrible shows, which deservedly so. Which, those are not good shows. We pointed it out like Smurfs ended a few weeks before this, this series started. That's right. Yeah. So they were already dead. And uh, I don't know. We see this tape. I don't know if these jokes were added by the you know artist or if they're in the script, but the uh, the publisher of the tape is Raskin Bobbins. Oh. Well, Instead uh, of you know, in the script. It's, yeah. it's a joke on Baskin Robbins, but not it's not really a joke or funny. It's like also a Rankin Bass joke, but no, you're right, Raskin Bobbins. That's just a yeah. lame joke. Yeah. And then it's like it's rated triple G, which seems like it could be a joke in the script. <laughs> no, I didn't okay. see that in the yeah. script either. The it being called the only. Uh, additional elf scene in the script is they watch one extra scene of them being chased by the bear of mm. the the curious bear cub of the title matt grading says on the commentary uh he confirmed it it's not on the dvd but like there was a scene that, that that was sent back to them that was of like one of the elves getting its head ripped off and like blood gushing everywhere <laughs> like that, that like somebody added uh, as a joke it sounds like that sounds like a butterworth move <laughs> yeah well i was i would think you know butterworth worked on a shitload of smurfs so i wonder if yeah. he was also enjoying this yeah the only time this ever made me laugh was the guy saying the happy little elves meet fuzzy snuggle duck <laughs> and the un oh yeah <laughs> and the erotic awakening of s that's the name yeah. of it yes thank you i think it's also not unlike the june foray thing it's them saying like this isn't your dad this isn't your kids cartoons this is an adult cartoon where they watch kid cartoons and hate them and uh, i also love when marge any character on the show when they use a term from a commercial like her using like from our video library like that that's very funny to me <laughs> it's like straight from a commercial for like Pinocchio on VHS add it to your video library and it even looks like one of the giant white clamshells you'd get a Disney classic in back then you could tell that it's been uh, used a lot because of the cardboard sleeve is all frayed at the bottoms <laughs> oh, too yeah, yeah. yeah again a very this is now a very dated joke the idea of like the child that watches a VHS 800 times in a row and the same tape over and over and over again I think kids still watch the same stuff over and over it's just I, not VHS tapes I think they tell their mom like play baby shark for me again you've watched it 10 times no no another i think psychologically it's because children have so little mastery over the world so they like um like knowing every line of a movie or knowing what's going to happen it gives them a sense of like accomplishment or a sense of power so that's why kids like for me it was space balls i watched space balls <laughs> like a thousand times 
Bart's hatred of the happy little elves again uh, a runner that like I think once they we said it before but once they have fun with itchy and scratchy they're like oh the, these elves are boring itchy and scratchy is where we do cartoon jokes yeah drawing two frames of an elf jumping up and down it's like yeah we get it the animation's <laughs> bad like this is a joke you could have made once and uh yeah I mean god that 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 is Simpsons Sakuga right there that that bots versus Bart scene thank you Dan Haskett for that I'm glad I could see Silverman going like we're not reanimating this one i don't care that it all looks wrong this is staying in <laughs> it would be sacrilege to delete that i there's also great animation later that they did cut but i know why yeah so they they head off to uh, the place they go to it really just feels like a red lobster not a fancy french restaurant yeah which uh the red lobster i still think it works as a reference of like what is the suburban fancy meal you take your girlfriend to of just like you know this this is third date town wink wink <laughs> is uh is the red lobster and that uh, i believe that waiter is chris collins it sounds like it yeah yeah and uh and also like that waiter's telling homer not to pick the dead lobster they should have fished that out anyway don't leave a dead lobster in your tank that's on them uh but yes june foray then even plays the elves in this which oh, is, is great yeah. casting it's she just sounds uh entirely correct to be in this scene you know what happens they find captain kook's treasure all the elves dance around like little green idiots i puke the end bart you're just like chili the elf who cannot love now for some real tv all right america's most armed and dangerous oh no bart we'll have nightmares relax this is cinema verite when the brutal slow motion killing starts i'll tell you to shut your eyes the Q-Ball killer should be considered extremely armed and dangerous. If you think you've seen him, call 1-800-YOU-SQUEAL. So yeah, parody of America's Most Dangerous. Um, yeah, they wanted to give it most a Fox vibe. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. America's Most Wanted. I don't know why it's said because that's the that's a joke. I'm, I apologize. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they wanted to give it the Fox vibe because it's a Fox show. Yeah, they, it's kind of a sideways glance at their uh, compatriot on the channel. I mean, America's Most Wanted. It was a a real trashy show that that it got away with all this trash by being like, no, we're helping people. Yeah. This is about catching people. Brutal slow motion killings is what Bart says. <laughs> uh, and they probably did capture like they. Probably probably helped find some people sure that but. john walsh guy uh not in part of this world the way he's drawn but i love just the constant dangling cigarettes oh that character yeah, yeah the drawing it's crazy yeah. and that's uh, gotta be christopher collins too right i believe yeah. so yeah i again starscream and that guy the same voice uh and well I, I like bart turning off the tape and when he says captain kook there's there's a crappy drawing of a pirate behind him too <laughs> That's a good gag. But also that, like, Lisa says, I want, like, Lisa's being played dumber than Bart in this. Like, at least to this point, she's like, I want to see what happens. You know what happens. She's a bit more sensitive, but just as stupid. Yeah. She's like, you're just like Chili, the elf who cannot love. <laughs> I do love that. Uh, well, which, again, very smurfy of just, like, Chili the elf, Blanky the elf, like... But there's no brainy in there. The funniest of the Smurfs. Easily the You know, with Disenchantment in this, he's got a real axe to grind against the Smurfs. He's in today. I love in Disenchantment. They're all the happy little elves. And I like that on Netflix, the art for Disenchantment, like the, the logo or whatever, or the promo art, is, is Shaco. 
Oh, you're right. Yeah. At least on my TV, it is. <laughs> That's what the algorithm knows. You like Shaco. Like uh, this dork likes Shaco. <laughs> There's also in the one of the best jokes in the Simpsons ride is where you go to the kids ride and it's the elves. Like you, oh, no. it's uh, yeah. Well, actually, no. The best joke in that is when they go through the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. That's uh, it's you know the Simpsons ride. Uh, I miss Back to the Future. But I like that at least is like a Simpsons jokes about theme park rides at least. Uh, but yeah, the they turn to the America's Most Wanted. As a kid, those did give me nightmares. Oh yeah, you know? this Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved uh, Mysteries yeah. more than this, yeah. They, they just, they did terrify me because they, they did seem so real. Like Bart says Cinema Verite, which is way too smart for him. But as a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, like I just took it as real. I'm like, no, this is just real I'm footage. I'm watching Birder right yeah. now. Actually, I forgot that we did it, but uh, John Walsh did an America's Most Wanted thing for The Simpsons, remember? Right. For the Who Shot Mr. Yeah. Burns uh, two-part. <laughs> Right. Uh, we did a commentary on that yeah. on the Patreon. $10 and up folks can watch it or still at uh, patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. That one's funny because the credits are all non-union names because Gracie couldn't work on it. But then also in that, it's so funny how they are doing a basically a clip show package about every person they've named as a potential shooter of Mr. Burns. And then near the very end, they have to have a scene where John Walsh says like, you know, we've had a lot of fun, <laughs> yeah. but on the real show, we actually do great work. It's, uh, I believe it's the season seven DVDs uh, with part two is on the same uh, DVD set. That one. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as they're watching this in the table redraft, there's a dumb scene of Homer asking the wa waiter for a giant pepper mill that I'm really glad they cut. And that What was the joke? Uh, that they, he, they say like, do you want pepper? And Homer says yes, and they go to a lot of trouble to pull out a giant pepper mill. They turn it once, and then Homer says, enough, and then they leave. I see. And uh, though they do keep in the champagne bit. It's it's in the same scene of him asking for more champagne. Second least expensive? Yes, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's another weird pacing moment where they just go like, you look like a child. Why? Because you have on a bib. Silence, and they just kind of stare at each other. <laughs> and then Homer asks for more champagne. Maybe it's supposed to be a reference like, no, their marriage is dead. Like, this is loveless. They got nothing to talk about. I think we're supposed to believe they're having a really good time at okay. this dinner. Okay. It just the pacing is very strange. You know, Marge, this is just like when we were dating. Except for one thing. No chaperone. Mm -hmm. You know what? Let's talk about that Mambo first, actually. Okay. <laughs> that Mambo dance in the original animation is great it's just really well done uh thad you you figure it's hasket it is hasket yeah absolutely he id'd it as his so, oh great yeah. okay well that makes it a real tragedy they cut it but on the commentary it's pretty clear why like yeah matt graining wanted them to look like bad dancers because they haven't danced in a decade what was the script direction or the stage direction it's one sentence of the larry dance yeah it's like <laughs> the larry davis experience is playing and they are dancing yeah you don't tell you didn't tell the animators how to make them dance yeah exactly like they're dancing poorly add one adjective it's just like you should have read my mind idiots <laughs> obviously bar uh, homer and marge wouldn't dance well like I, it's 
I and when you know Homer and Marge and what Mac Groening says he wants, yes, that makes sense. But if the sentence in the script is Homer and Marge dance, then they draw them dancing well because it's fun to watch good animation. You know, they must have never even seen the animatic or anything. If they're like this was all new to them when it came back, right? Yeah, yeah. They again, they they fell asleep at the switch here. There's there's all these check ins they can do, but uh, but their dance scene is great, and I also love that that in the original animation their dance scene which is so fluid and great moving then it immediately goes to them like in kind of a rocky and bullwinkle type thing where they're just locked in position and only their mouths move it's very odd yeah uh but in the broadcast version they are very stilted and bad at dancing and like march just kind of like moves up in her arms <laughs> up and down in place it's really but they're having fun that's that's the important yeah. thing uh, but yes, the while they're having fun, Bart and Lisa are watching uh, the show. Babysitter Bandit has left a trail of her daring nighttime robberies across the continental United States. She could be lurking anywhere, about to descend upon another house full of unsuspecting dudes. In a moment, we will show you a picture of the real Babysitter Bandit, Miss Lucille Botsukowski. Remember, she may be using a clever alias. And should be considered... Armed and dangerous. There you go. Ah! There's another one. <laughs> There's three. <laughs> it's like laying on the fucking horn of your car. <laughs> it's the musical equivalent of that. God, I hate it. That scene goes on too long, Bwee! too, but yeah. uh but it's a good screen drawing of bart and lisa we talked about it before them them hugging each other on the couch wacky drawing but i love their scream drawing Uh, i think that's a mistake by the television show to show you show the picture of the person up front but but don't save it till the very end to show what they they really look like uh but yes that's the act break at least more dramatic than the previous uh, yeah then that's an act break (laughs) bam and uh when it comes back they're still screaming yeah and that's when they run off and bot starts to chase them uh meanwhile homer and marge are i guess the the cut to them is that homer and marge they're really relaxed while their kids are being terrorized i guess that's the joke and then homer misses the exit and the next one's 34 miles which i guess is a joke too that's one of those gags you keep pointing out that forces you to read i think that actually works here because it's establishing homer and marge you know they're out of the picture they're not helping these (laughs) kids at all yeah, at least the exit sign is legible and clear. It could be better though. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's enough made of the point that uh, I mean, I, I think it, it's the this is the joke, but there's not a ton of attention called to it that Lisa's calling a TV show instead of the police. Yeah, that's like it's a good joke, but doesn't isn't played enough. Yeah, they, I guess the the commentary on our society is that she should be calling nine one one, but she loves the TV show more than our our institution. She wants that free T-shirt. <laughs> Uh, so they split up. Lisa goes to the phone. Bart runs into the basement, which is where Bots, uh, she chases him first. Uh, they even say on the commentary, they're like, yeah, this is supposed to be Night of the Hunter. This, this yep, Night of the Hunter, yep. Which is great. I mean, I love Night of the Hunter, a, a film classic, a, a true noir classic. It's awesome. But uh, that's where she finds an empty ki- thing of pickled beets as Invisible well. beets. <laughs> uh, they, I like we got the, beets. We got beets <laughs> to pickle. The, the way Bart misses her, it's funny, 
I like his what he says in the broadcast version in the script. He says, I wish I could convey how truly sorry I am. But it's better when he's like, well, neither of us got hurt, so uh, let's not do anything crazy. That was the Homer bowling ball, right? You're right. Yeah, yeah it was the Homer bowling ball. But so maybe that retake was a later one, I'm guessing, if they knew about the yeah, Homer bowling that ball. One looked so, that one looks straight out of season two, like something Silverman would have done then, just the staging of it. Yeah, the staging and the Bart up top, and you don't... Bots is kind of off screen, so they don't have to draw her too much uh, in the redrawing. Uh, and uh, then she also catches Lisa. There's a funny... I like the drawing of Lisa under the table. Like, her hair is kind of, like, squished down. It's June who's on the phone, too, talking to her, so she's three voices in this June Foray is. Then uh, there's even the joke of uh, them getting to the off ramp in, which I think it's meant to be a joke that Mo told him, like, go to the fanciest place in town and yield off ramp in is the fanciest place in Springfield. And we'll see it again later with the Homer's Night Out. Yes. That's yeah. where he sees the uh, cabaret show. Later in production, earlier yeah. in broadcast. Yeah. Uh, and then also when she says like oh you smashed my head 11 years ago over the threshold in lisa's first words we see that it's really eight years earlier mm. that they they got into that house so i guess she could be referring to the apartment they lived in when though bart was born 10 years ago so that's not 11 uh, a threshold's a threshold is what i say <laughs> i uh do, do people still do that do the do the straights still do that when they get married by the time you have enough uh, money to get married your back is just shot so true, uh, yeah. we're not lifting any anything anymore to, oh i finally bought a house my knee i'm doesn't 50 work. Yeah, <laughs> my hip has been replaced at this point but, uh yes the the kids are caught and uh the babysitter bandit is tying them up we know who you are miss bots or should i say miss Batsukowski. you're the babysitter bandit you're a smart young man bart i hope you're smart enough to keep your mouth shut he isn't <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy if you think you're gonna get away with this lady. You can't- I'm really not a bad person. Here, while I finish up, you guys can watch the rest of your favorite video cassette. Mm -hmm. Quiet, Bart. Let's make the best of this. Maybe I'll go slip into something a little more comfortable. Oh, your blue thing with the things? You'll see. Well, shake a leg, mama. So that's such a Jackie Gleason delivery. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Uh, her, uh, I guess she must have packed it in her purse or something. Yeah. But... Well, it's very, it's very slinky. Mm -hmm, I guess. But then it, what? It's wadded up or like super folded. Mm. Like, uh... I don't know. The stay in the night. They have, they have a change of clothes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It must be in the trunk. Actually. You could fit yeah. like a nighty into like a, a ring box. They're I... just like <laughs> such like sleek material. I forgot they drove there too, so they they could just have stuff packed in the car. Uh, I take I take it back. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Bart being tortured by having to watch the elves again is cute. I I also like Lisa is much smarter in Act Three than she is in Act One and Two. Like she she knows by saying Bart's not smart enough to keep his mouth shut that she'll tape up Bart's mouth and shut him up. Like that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> and they're also saying like. Uh, no, we have to, let's make the best of the situation and just watch my tape again. Oh, by the way, Bots was named after a babysitter that Matt Groening liked. Oh, yes, yeah. Though based on, a, the name was the babysitter he liked, but he had the bad babysitter he mentioned to, he says something else, but I think it's Dianetics he's Oh, it's not. About. I looked it up. So they're, oh, it's, it's, it's like something a, different. It's, a, it's like a different self-help thing that's not a cult. It's like uh, psycho, okay. it's not psychotonomy. Okay. 
<laughs> but it wasn't Dianetics. I just wanted to make sure. I looked up the title of the book, and it was like a different self-help thing that like uh, was Tony Robbins. Is that one of those oh, guys? Okay, yeah. He was one of the guys inspired by that original 1960 self-help book. Okay, it's yeah. a- it sounded to me. I guess then it just sounded like a ripoff of Dianetics. Like to in the commentary, my first thought was like, oh, he doesn't want to be sued by Scientology, so he just makes up a name for Dianetics. That's but- what I thought, but I googled the name of the book, All right. and it's real. Okay. It's real. All too real. Uh, so yes, Bart is being tortured. Maggie then gets freed. And uh, in the script, it's like a full, like, two giant paragraphs of just stage direction of Maggie doing stuff, which, you know, it reads slow, but this is just a short. Like, Maggie did these things in, like, eight, five different shorts during the, the Ullman years, so it fits. It fits for what they were doing. And, like, Silverman loves Maggie. Like, he's he came back to direct the, the two Maggie theatrical shorts that have been released. Like, mm. he's the director on both those. I do like that Bots is is remarking that these are barely worth robbing. Like the Simpsons just have a bunch of shit. Uh, Maggie like unties them, which is very uh, good for a baby to be able to do on command. Yeah. yeah, I I think even if a baby had the intelligence to untie knots, I think in a knots tied by an adult woman cannot be untied by a baby. They have like the motor control to like do such fine actions with their fingers. Yeah, or like the finger strength, like to just un couple them that's why they cut away from that yeah (laughs) can't question Uh, the logic of the scene but i do like bart bashing his head against the couch because he's being forced to to watch more of it uh and they also they look so wacky in their tied up forms like those are some crazy drawings oh yeah (laughs) bart's head is melting at one point and uh, then we come back to the hotel room. Marge comes out in her blue thing and the things. A very sexy shot of Marge, mm-hmm. which I think is the way the show also saying like, hey, Marge isn't just a mother. She's a woman. And what a woman. And Homer's a pig. Yes. Yeah. As, as a seven-year-old, I didn't understand that sex was about to happen in this shot either. Oh, yeah. Right before Marge comes out in the table draft, there is a joke that I'm so glad they cut. Okay. Because it is so dated. Homer thinks he is watching porn on television. He's like, <laughs> oh, wow, the hotel has some amazing things, Marge. You should see it. Uh, oh, wait a minute. This is just L.A. Law. Oh. It's a joke about how L.A. Law had like dirty scenes in bedrooms in it. And it's so dated. By That's, 90, it was dated. God, that, what a good choice to remove that entirely. It's X'd out in the table draft yeah. script. So. so there will be no L.A. Law references, gentlemen. <laughs> A big show for the time, now completely forgotten. No, not one person. Dan Castellaneta is on an L.A. Law episode in a Homer suit. That's true, yes. Uh, <laughs> the clips are on YouTube. Look it up. It's fascinating. Uh, but yes, uh, the kids get freed in a very short sequence. Maggie draws bots to chase her, and she's hearing the pacifier sucking, and the pacifier sucking finally pays off for a plot purpose that Bart is tricking her with it and then bashes her head in with a bat, like just gives her brain horrible brain damage. I think, I think bots has CTE. After <laughs> this. Uh, but it's uh, but it's a fun, like again, home alone moment. Like as if you're a little kid who's watching this for the Bart adventures, you're like, yay, Bart saved the day. 
Uh, and then it goes from that very childish scene to a post-coital scene. Like immediately sex has just ended. Just ended. Yeah. Like, the yeah. waterbed is still moving. Homer just rolled off of Marge. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thank you for that image. Well, I mean, yeah. it, uh, the context is there. Yeah. I, you know, I got to think Homer, Homer at his weight and age, I think Marge is rolling off of him. I think Homer. Oh, yeah. I, I think Homer's not putting much work in. From when from when we see the blue thing with the things to when they cut back to the, the sex having happened, it's just like, I think it's an intense to like you know imply homer didn't last very long yes yeah i think you're right well again he said he was gonna last 10 minutes in the back yeah. of his car so it was like it's like 30 seconds between the reveal of the uh, lingerie and the finishing of the sex if yes. these things are happening if they're cross-cutting in real time mm-hmm. then it's implied that like i mean again it's just too subtle to read i think they also were just enjoying the shocker in 1989 of saying we just showed you that two cartoon characters had sex. Yeah. You've never seen that on television before. It's a good thing to put in your first episode of a show mm. if, you're try, if you're trying to get go out there, you know. Yeah, and shocking people. The mood is spoiled, though, right after. Homer, would it spoil the mood if I called home? You know, just to check on the kids. And the kids are escaping through the magic uh, treehouse. It's everywhere they need. <laughs> Homer, wake up. There's no answer at home. So? So I'm worried. I think we should go home. <sighs> All right. I suppose my work here is done. <laughs> Hello, vigilant viewer. How may we help you? We caught her. We caught the babysitter Bennett. She's tied up at our house right now. Ask if there's a reward. Is there a reward? If she's convicted, we get T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good I joke. Like that. That's a good joke. That's all they I want. Like I love the genuine enthusiasm from Bart too. Because they're getting roasted and he's like enthused about it. That feels like a joke about how cheap the America's most wanted is. They're just like yeah, it's oh. a joke about it's the first Fox's cheap joke for the Simpsons. That's you're right, yeah. I <laughs> Uh, though the exchange is a little weird because you first hear June Foray on yeah. the other end and then you don't hear her. Yeah. Within the same shot, it kind of breaks a rule there. But the, uh, you know, Marge, come on. Just, you you just had some fun. Just relax. You know, why you got to call the kids right after. I think just because Homer is now like, like a minute after having an orgasm, he's just like, whatever you say, honey. Yeah. He's, Homer's done for the yeah. night. Like he's like, I'm, I'm finished. Don't need nothing more for me. Uh, which that also is like, Homer, you were bad. Did you get a treat at the end? Of, I mean, it was a treat for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think more for Homer though. Perhaps. I mean, Hey, Marge likes sex with Homer. I, that's an important distinction. Uh, she is correct to be worried about having no answer at home. That's uh, and then Homer just goes like, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> that's a good exchange. But yes, they also we get a space. We mentioned the space beans. There's a little space beans poster by the phone there. Nice, a nice little reference. And uh, yeah, so they Marge and Homer get home. Uh, they see that Bots has been tortured by the happy little elves the entire uh, time. That's a great drawing. Yeah, for yeah. like chin on the floor. Yeah, with their eyes, just the eyes. Yeah. Well, and when they take the tape off of it, like her lips move just all the way to the end of her mouth. It's such a silly drawing of her, too. I love that. And uh, yes, the next scene is Homer lets her go. How come all the lights are on? I don't like the looks of this. Miss Butch! Miss Butch! (gasps) Good Lord, what are those little hellions done now? We're so sorry. We're so sorry. Please turn off the TV. 
<laughs> I can't tell you how chagrined we are about all of this. Some of these things are heavy. Just so there's no hard feelings. Here's double your pay. No, no, triple. Thank you. Mr. Sampson, can I give you a bit of advice? Sure. Don't turn your back on that boy for a second. Ain't that the truth? You know one time he... <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, It maybe it's not Haskett, but I really love the animation of Homer going, no, no, triple it. Like the way his head bounces around. The, the trumpet fun. mouth. Yeah, I love a trumpet mouth, even though, again, totally breaks the rules. They, you'll never see a trumpet mouth in season two. And but. she's got a uh, binky keychain from Life in Hell. Oh, I missed it's that. It's a nice little nod, yeah. Good. Probably like cut that. off on Disney Plus if you're watching it, that yeah. keychain. Oh. Oh, God. I, I got to say one rant about the Disney Plus things. I You're doing a disservice when you tell people to rewatch it on there. It, it's Oh, I oh. look, it's a last resort. Watch yeah, we it, don't I encourage guess. it. But uh, oh, okay. yeah, OK, no, that it's I, I actually got I, I'm using someone else's Disney Plus right now uh, to watch stuff. And I, I saw a couple of the episodes and I'm like, even not getting into the aspect ratio issue. They look like shit. I well, mean, well, the cleaning uh, up is too aggressive, but I mean, that's uh, you, you as an animation fan, you've seen what they've done to like pretty much every short they have on there. Yeah. The, the classic era. Well, th these were done by Lowry, um, ah. the Simpsons. Um, they just, ugh, they do a lot of the fo uh, material for Fox and well, now Disney, but you know, it's all going to the same shithole now. I guess, <laughs> but. The, the SD transfers on the DVDs were fine. Why why yeah. must we do this? I, I have all 19 seasons that are available on DVD. So mm. uh, when we hit the end of that, hopefully there'll be more on DVD. <laughs> but if not, I will have to resort to whatever is on Disney at that point. Well, at that point, isn't it, didn't it go to HD at that point anyway? So. By 20? Yeah. So. Yeah. By tw I think 20 is the HD season. So we'll, we'll be safe anyway. I, I've said it before, but I think this was a monkey paw for me as a video as a as an annoying video store clerk who told people you have to see it in widescreen i don't care if there's black bars on the top of your tv watch it in widescreen it's now the monkey's paw moved its finger down and now everybody's like yeah everything has to be widescreen fill like, the screen <laughs> i can't I think i th but you know that what's funny is they already got all this flack when simpsons world uh, yes the, uh standard version but, you know, Disney actively wants the bad versions out there. That's of everything in their library, it just is, seems like. Is it just that one of Bob Iger's kids told him, like, I don't like these black bars on the side? No, it's, it's, it, this predated Iger, this okay. mentality. So uh, It's just, it's really too bad. Especially, like, I was hoping they'd at least have it done within six months to just shift back to the old version. When they said they would, they couldn't, it just launched in the uk at the time of this recording and all the british people too were just like what the fuck this doesn't look like simpsons <laughs> i we got to see the the british react in the same way like six months after how americans reacted to seeing it on disney plus uh, it's it's a bummer it's a bummer but fortunately i still got my season one dvds like on amazon right now i was shocked to see like they're being sold at a big premium right now the mm. original dvds uh but yes bots drives away 
not to be seen again in person until season seven, eight with Hurricane Nettie. After she was uh, institutionalized, I guess. Yeah, maybe she was. Fa- maybe she pled insanity, and that's how she. She's <laughs> probably going to escape that place at some point. I think. Uh, but yes, then the cops show up for uh, a very long ending here that kind of just fizzles out. But I'm going to play the whole thing. This way to the scene of the crime, man. I got her tied up in the den. Just a minute, young man. I don't know what kind of shenanigans you've been pulling this time, but I just had to untie your babysitter and pay her off so that... Excuse me, sir. Are you saying to the world that you just aided and abetted the escape of the notorious babysitter bandit? The what? The babysitter bandit. Oh, uh, are you sure this microphone works? Oh, well, uh, I wouldn't say I aided her. This is on, right? Because actually it was quite a struggle. Oh, Homer. Have you ever seen a kung fu movie? It was just like that, but now I know her moves. So if you're listening to me, lady, you'd better think long and hard before trying something like this on Homer Simpson again. Lord help me, I'm just not that bright. Oh, Homer, don't say that. The way I see it, if you raise three children who can knock out and hogtie a perfect stranger, you must be doing something, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Honey, can we make up again? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, twice in one night. That's uh, that's probably a lot for Homer, I think. This ends just like uh, Call the Simpsons where Homer is humiliated on a national TV program and then uh, she's just like, I still love you. I think the staging is exactly the same. I Well, so that really confused me because I would have... Before I read the script, I would have thought they took their setup from Call of the Simpsons and the like, you know what, just repeat that to add a new ending to this to have a sweet ending. Just use the same posing. Like, the way Marge looks at Homer with her shadow there, that's the exact shot from Call of the Simpsons. Oh, you're right. Yeah. No wonder, like, it looked like so advanced for this first production episode. But but in the script, it ends in the bedroom, too. Like, the exact scene is there. And that definitely sounds more like early season one writing of, Lord, help me, I'm just not that bright. <laughs> and early season one acting. <laughs> yeah, terrible. I, I had to cut that. But, uh, I, I mean, Homer thinking he's fooling the reporters and then it cutting to, like, local boob on TV. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Though, bad. they definitely take a shortcut of having the uh, all the reporters just be hands holding microphones off yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few budget say like uh, I forgot to mention when bots arrives, uh, there's like two shots that are the same, but it's just so zoomed out of just her entering the house that that also just felt like a real budget saver, too. But yes, Homer let her go. The world knows he did. He's he's humiliated. But Marge gives him one little speech in that like the like two second pause before he goes. Yeah. And then one last bit of terrible Gib music at the end there. And he, his reign is over. But uh, I will say last bit of change from the original script is the joke about wanting to go again after the lights are turned off. That was added after color like that is not in the table read script. So I think that was the right choice of like, let's how about one more joke instead before? of ending with. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. The last word of the episode for the whole season one shouldn't be, yeah. 
<laughs> and you're right. It's so funny on the timing of this that this was supposed to be the pilot, completely reworked to be the season finale. But when it aired in mid mid May, it was the height of Bart mania. Everybody, like you said, there uh, two weeks ago, that was their highest rated episode. Yeah, Life on the Fast Lane, right? And they're still pretty high at this point. And like, this is the last Simpsons you're seeing for three whole months. And there's only going to be reruns of these 13 all through summer. And it's just funny to remember a time when there's just like, well, yeah, it's a season one repeat. The only Simpsons that exists. Just this is such a season. come down after Krusty gets busted, though. It's like, yeah. holy shit. That like, should have been. Was the delivery date that late where they couldn't have changed the order? So busted would be the finale. I As think, it was intended. I think so. With this being two weeks after Krusty gets busted, I think they needed those two weeks for the last stuff. Maybe. To come yeah, in. it sounds okay. like they were working on it until like the 11th hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but yes, I mean, if I could go back in time and tell Fox programming, I'd tell them, please just save Krusty for May 20th, 21st or something. That is just, oh, I, I was, I was watching all of season one again in preparation for this. And that's just solid television. They're just a solid classic all time favorite. Yeah. I mean, just so much of it works. Uh, but you know, in the time when I watched this, I love this episode because it was Bart Adventures, and then <laughs> me too, and then sex jokes I didn't get that just flew right over my head. But they cut back to Bart so quickly. Yes, yeah. So, so as a hi caramba, as a, <laughs> a seven year old, I liked this, but now all I just I can't. It's hard to even judge as a story. I just see all I look is at the seams on Frankenstein here. Yeah, you know? and it doesn't help that there really is no story. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Things are uh, a problem until they're not, and then it's over. Such is life. <laughs> any any last thoughts, Dad? You know, it, it's an episode. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, we, we, I th- I think you've been uh, I think you've been shitting on it so much as you've come to get to it, but then you realize oh, this this isn't that shitty. Mm. It's 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 shitty, but it's not that shitty. <laughs> they salvaged it and they started the series with the right episodes. So yes. yeah. in the end, they made the right choices. It all worked out. And uh, and yet that I just want to say thank you for uh, all this insight into the uh, the animation folks who worked on this, like especially you know Butterworth and Haskett. Like two, oh, absolutely, yeah, un- they're uh, yeah, they're definitely unsung heroes of a lot of. Yeah. Uh, early not or late 80s early 90s uh animation absolutely so thanks again to thad kamarowski thad please let us know where we can find you and uh, support you online and your podcast as well so like i said at the beginning i co-host the podcast cartoon logic with animation legend bob jakes and we do bi-weekly deep dives into classic cartoons from the golden age of animation you know warner brothers looney Tunes stuff and fletcher brothers stuff and uh, you can find it wherever podcasts are streaming and we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cartoonlogic. And right now you can find a nice assortment of high-quality downloads of rare cartoons and our video commentaries on specific shorts. We're going to be starting a patrons-only monthly podcast, Spinach Scrutiny, where we look at a season of Fleischer Popeye cartoons in depth in chronological order, and these are going to be very long podcasts. Uh, The first episode on the 1933 Popeye cartoon should be available in mid-May. And by the time this episode of Talking Simpsons airs, I should have posted Bob Jakes' video commentary for Stimpy's Invention, 
the Ren and Stimpy classic he animation directed, and it's definitely the commentary John Kay doesn't want you to hear. So do subscribe, and uh, thanks Bob and Henry for your own support and for having me on, and I wish you guys continued success. You truly deserve it. Hello, everybody. This is a, almost a month later since that <laughs> recording. Uh, do we sound older? We've lived through another month of all of this, so yes. I probably sound like I'm 53 years old. But uh, uh, we had a little uh, issue with the recording. As soon as uh, Thad was doing his plugs, like everything froze. We thought we lost the recording, but we didn't. So that was a crisis averted, but we never did an outro. Yeah. And so Thad uh, did his own outro that we're going to play uh, before this or after this. Yeah, he just heard it. You just heard it. Okay, yes. I'm not the one editing this. But uh, we didn't do an outro, so you don't even know who we are (laughs) or Uh, where to find us or anything like that. We we couldn't let that happen. No, but uh, (laughs) I can let everybody know. Yeah, this is Talking Simpsons. You know that, of course. And if you want to support the show and get all kinds of bonus extras on top of that, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And when you sign up for the $5 level, you'll get access to all of our podcasts one week ahead of time and ad-free. And then, like I said, access to all the bonus stuff, everything behind the $5 paywall that we've been doing for almost the past three years you'll instantly have access to all of that over 100 bonus podcasts most recent miniseries that's patreon exclusive is talking mission hill which goes for the entire only season of mission hill with the talking simpsons slash what a cartoon format there's so much stuff going on at that level way too much to mention here but once you sign up you'll have far too many podcasts to listen to but now it's the perfect time to binge on podcasts and uh henry can tell everybody out there what's happening at the ten dollar level one extra long podcast every month for subscribers at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. That's right. That is our monthly What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. Only for our premium subscribers who, for 10 bucks a month, they get all that $5 stuff and a monthly exclusive podcast about a different animated feature film. We've done so many awesome ones in the past. Our most recent one is Loop on the Third of the Castle Cogliostro. And this month, you're going to hear Toy Story 2. And you'll get a huge back catalog of other awesome ones that you can listen to only if you're a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talk. Talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. That is a classic gaming podcast. Find it wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts and sign up there. And you'll get access to uh, a week ahead of time in an advanced podcast and also two exclusive podcasts every month just for patrons at that level. Again, that is patreon.com slash retronauts. And you can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter, as always, at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. If you want to see my thoughts on what's going on in the world or just reflecting on us finishing our first season re-exploration, follow me there, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. And if you want to stay in the loop about when new podcasts go up of Talking Simpsons or What a Cartoon or any of our extras, be sure to follow on Twitter at TalkSimpsonsPod. At TalkSimpsonsPod keeps you up to date about all our cool podcasts so you gotta follow it already thanks for listening everybody we will see you next week as we are in deep deep trouble while we do the bartman and we'll see you then Let me carry you over the threshold. Okay, but watch out. Don't slam my head like last time. Sheesh, 11 years ago and you'd never forgotten it. Don't mess my hair. This is fun!